Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Random Town Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is Time to Recharge, and we're calling it that really for two reasons. First off, we're sharing impressions of Chibi Robo Photo Finder later in the show, and that's all about a little robot who you constantly need to recharge. And secondly, Nintendo itself needs a bit of a recharge after what they've been going through with their latest financial news. Yes, it has been quite a crazy two weeks for Nintendo, and uh, we'll be sharing our thoughts on what went wrong, how they plan to make it right, as well as just the entire situation a little later in the show. Plus, we, of course, have actual game news, because, you know, that's what Nintendo does, is games, so we have games to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking about some additional Donkey Kong Smash Bros. info, some brand new game announcements for 3DS, and even Jose's trip to a Pokemon tournament at the very end of the episode. So Yeah, that happened. So yeah, this episode you can really split into... You know this episode, this analogy's gonna be horrible, I'm sorry. This episode's like a mullet, okay? Bear with me. Um, what? Bear with me. It's, it's business up front with the Nintendo news, and then a party of all the games in the back. <laughs> <laughs> what? Right. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to episode 62. Mullet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, we're, if you want to jump straight to the party and not deal with the business, or only listen to business and not deal with the party, we, God, why did I even say that? We, um, we have all those as timestamps on the blog post that goes with this post at ramchow.com. That's episode 62. So, without a, a mullet. So without any further ado, um, let's, let's dive right into the luscious locks of that mullet, and, um, let's talk about the business side. Let's talk about the crazy situation Nintendo's in, and, uh... I got all serious there as if it's like, oh, no, no, I'm not Nintendo. But yeah, the biggest news over these past two weeks has definitely been that Nintendo revised their financial forecast for the fiscal year of 2013, which ends on March 31st and started a March ago. So, um, as you may recall, Nintendo originally had a goal of making an operating profit of 100 billion yen, which is 959 million bucks, U.S. bucks, United States dollars. And uh, they have since... They have since decided, you know what, yeah, that's not happening. They're now expecting, instead of making 100 billion yen, they're expecting to lose 35 billion yen. So instead of making $959 million, they're expecting to lose $336 million. So that that's happening. Uh, Does that mean we can expect really great things from Nintendo, according to your... Oh, Panic Nintendo. Yeah. What is it, Panic Nintendo's best Nintendo? Probably. And they're kind of dropping hints that they're going to be doing some big shakeups, which we'll talk about a little later. But yeah, I think... Well, I don't know, because I thought Panic Nintendo was 2013, when they were releasing a ton of great games. So, so if they're going into 2013, this or? is like, this is like, uh, yeah, this is like end of the world Nintendo. This is, well, it's not quite that bad, actually. This is, yeah, this is Crisis Nintendo. So they're thinking of completely rethinking some of their strategies, so it will be interesting. But what's real, what I'm really curious about is what this means for Wii U, because the Wii U, they, uh, you know, while Nintendo not being its goal should come as a shock for anyone who's been following along with Nintendo... The Wii U numbers, we also shouldn't be shocking anyone that follows it, but are still a really big drop. They were planning to sell 9 million of them from March a year ago to this March, this coming March. Now they're expecting to sell 2.8 million. That's a drop of 69%. Over two-thirds less than what they planned, which is mainly what's driving their um, their, na- their now profit loss instead of profit gain. A lot of so, people saw that coming, though. Yeah, everyone did. Yeah. But it's just now Nintendo's acknowledging it. And, uh... It's interesting because this actually means that normally when a console's in its second year, that's the year it, like, you know, finds its groove, finds its footing. That's, like, its best year is the second year. Because the first year they have the launch shortages and whatnot. Second year is when they, like, go full steam. So traditionally, in a console's second year, which is, this would be the Wii U's second holiday, uh, it would be doing better. 
In this case, it's actually got, Nintendo's not expecting it to sell less than what it sold in its first holiday. So from holiday, you 2012. know, 2012 up to the end of March, it sold over 3 million. Now they're expecting it for all of 2013, plus that little period to March, to sell 2.8 million. So that's not good. But, um, yeah, the reason behind this, like, why they had to drop their forecast is pretty much what we expected. The sales just weren't there. Um, I was saying to investors, to goal President Terry Wada, that um, the change was simply because sales were, quote, significantly lower than they originally forecasted to the point where the um, the real-life sales versus their targets had a, and these are his words, huge gap. Not even just there was a gap. He's admitting it was a huge gap. Like, obviously, 70%. Is bad, but this is like really bad. <laughs> um, anyway, so as we both kind of said, um, you know, anyone who's been following this, we knew this was coming. This isn't a big surprise, but still, like, it's you, you don't really realize how bad it is until you see like specific numbers, which Nintendo didn't reveal. But the same day that this news came out from Nintendo, a couple hours earlier, NPD released their December sales numbers, and uh. Yeah, it kind of explains why Nintendo had to scale back their expectations. For those who haven't necessarily been following the Wii U's very dramatic drop-off. And that's that, uh, you know, official numbers aren't out. Nintendo never releases official sales numbers here in the States anymore, which usually means they're bad. And sure enough, it uh, leaked numbers pinned the Wii U at selling about 481,000 units in December. So a little under half a million. Now, for the Wii U, that's good. It's actually the best month it's ever had but in the U.S. Not saying much but it's not year. saying much at all when you consider that, like... PS4 and Xbox have almost matched its entire user base so in a month. So, yeah, it's definitely not ideal. And it is worth mentioning that, um, it once again, there is momentum because it is better than it was. It just isn't enough momentum. And, I mean, you could argue, I guess, that uh, Nintendo's 100 billion yen goal maybe could have mostly been powered by software and not hardware. So, oh, who cares if the Wii U is not selling? They have games. That's the... Like, how it works is... You know, it's, um, what's the expression with the knives? Like, uh, you sell knives, but you make money off the blades or something like that. Like, the Nintendo can sell a system at a loss and make the money back with the software. So, presumably, okay, yeah, the Wii U's underperforming, but what about software? That that could be what how Nintendo would have gotten to 100 billion yen, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember hearing that, that yeah. Yeah, that, they that. They lose money on consoles, but the software where they start making Right, like, that's Microsoft's strategy with Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Original Xbox, I mean, and Xbox One. No, actually, Xbox One might be profitable. But originally Xbox, original Xbox and 360 both were sold at a loss for that very reason. So it's not absurd to think, well, maybe Nintendo was doing that with the Wii U and the software sales will save it. Well, no. <laughs> it turns out that uh, even if you look at that, it just, Nintendo didn't sell well in terms of games. I mean, unfortunately, there were zero Nintendo exclusive titles in the top 10 bestsellers of 2013, let alone the bestsellers of December 2013. Not on 3DS, not on Wii U, nothing that Nintendo released. Even though they had a stellar output of games this year, probably more than most years, nothing. Nothing charted. And it's, it's. I mean, and this is a chart that, really, it's kind of by the books. GTA was number one, Call of Duty was number two, Madden was number three, you know, at the overall 2013 yeah. as a year. It's like the most generic, boring chart you could see. But still, Nintendo couldn't crack it whatsoever, which is obviously not helping their case at all. And then if you look, like, at just December, they had the same prongs. Like I said, it didn't get in the top ten in December. In December, there were a few third-party games. Call of Duty Ghost was number one. Um, a couple other games that made the list. Just Dance 2014 was on there. Assassin's Creed 4 was on there. Lego Super Heroes, Skyland, Swap Force. All those are on Nintendo systems and sold well enough to hit the top ten. But the Nintendo versions were in no 
case the best selling version by any means. In the case of Assassin's Creed, apparently one percent was what made up. Whoa. Yeah, like uh, I think the exact the raw number of, of stat of units sold, and this is not this is a leaked number. Close sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So like basically, you know, the size of like our class of the biggest class, Campbell Hall, back at UCSB. That's the biggest for those who don't know UCSB, which is most of you. That's the biggest hall on campus for University of California, Santa Barbara. Holds 900 people. So essentially that and a half bought Assassin's Creed. And that's it. No one else <laughs> on Wii U. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a problem. Let's go get two copies right now. We should. That's two more copies. You know, that's actually a pretty big percentage of the sales. <laughs> if we each bought two, that's four copies out of 1,600. That's, that's pretty good. Ubisoft will be happy. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of like... And then if you look at um, the end of... The end-of-year sales totals that got leaked out. You know, now that it's 2014, we can look back at 2013 and see how games did. You realize Nintendo just... Their own first-party games couldn't even save them. Like, they're... Um, it's very interesting just... Even when games are coming out on Wii U. Everyone used to say, oh, the issue is the Wii U doesn't have games, right? But even now it's that they're... like, oh, Mario's gonna save it. Right. Well. It's like, oh, Pikmin will be the star of the state. We talked about it. We thought that would be the case as well. Like, a I couple months ago. I, I, I didn't think Pikmin was gonna No, not out. Pikmin, but Mario. For oh, sure. yeah. But now it seems like there's not... Maybe there's not a magic bullet. Maybe there's not a couple games that can really save it because everything's not doing well. Like, it's... If you look at... Well, first, they had to have... The, ha- cut their expectations of software sales in half. They were originally planning to... They, let me rephrase. They're only expecting to sell 19 million copies of Wii U software across every single game released on the platform in this fiscal year. Originally, it was double that. So that's a pretty telling sign right there if they had to cut their forecast literally in half. Granted, that makes sense given they had to cut software by 70%. But still, that's a huge chunk of games that just aren't selling. And then when you look, like, specifically when you drill it down, some games just bombed. Uh, Game of Wario, 36,000 copies total since it came out. The Wonderful, in America. The Wonderful 101, 489. That's that's on, like, four Campbell Halls. Yeah, basically. Let's put everything in in terms of Campbell Hall, which only us understand. (laughs) Yeah, and Wonderful 101, 49,000 copies. Now, that game I knew was going to be niche from the start. I always was saying when we were talking about that, it's not going to be a big seller. But I thought it would do a little better than 49,000. Like, that's less than the attendance at Comic-Con. And it had a big presence at Comic-Con. They couldn't even sell it to everyone at (laughs) Comic-Con. Wow. So, I mean, those aren't doing that great. And it's getting to the point where you're really starting to realize that maybe content isn't the problem with the Wii U. Maybe it's something bigger. Maybe it's the Wii U itself. There is no, like I said, there probably isn't a magic bullet. I mean, even Pikmin 3, which was very hyped up, got good reviews. It was, came out during, like, a huge drought period for the Wii U. It was the start of the end of the drought. It only sold 210,000 copies, which in its own right is respectable. It's a lot of Campbell Halls. It is. It's a, it's a lot of Campbell Halls. But it- I mean, Imagine how many Campbell soups that would be. That'd be two hundred ten thousand Campbell soups. But we don't know how much money they're making from the DLC, right? Because I mean, no, we don't. And and I was about to say not only that, but two hundred ten thousand. Yeah, that's not horrible, actually. I mean, Pikmin two when it came out on GameCube back in two thousand four, August around the same time, August. Uh, it only sold around two hundred something thousand. But there are a bunch of other games coming out at the same time in that same period that they were, you know, like it yeah. was. Granted, Game didn't have a ton of support, but it had more than one game that month. So, Pikmin 3, there are a whole bunch of starved Wii U owners who wanted something to play, and they couldn't even muster up the cares to go buy it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, granted, Mario 3D World did okay. That sold 570,000 units in the six weeks it was out in 2013. Uh, Lego City Undercover, surprisingly, did pretty well. Wait, so, how many Wii U's are like, out in the market? Or, I mean, are, like, are out already? How many have they sold? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Total. Like under 
Five well, that game? two point, yes, four point four something. Well, I think by the end of March, they're expecting to top about five. To, they're expected to have about six. So, million. like about a fifth of everybody that had the Wii U only bought the Mario. I mean, yeah, only bought Mario. Pretty much, which actually is a pretty good attach rate. Well, I'll put really it this low, way: like Pokemon X and Y on 3DS, only about 10% of 3DS owners actually own the game. If you think about it, if you like tie up the sales, because wow. there's about 40. Like no, I did that math wrong. Uh, it's a little higher than 10%. I feel like everybody has Pokemon. Uh, yeah, everyone. Not in a bad way. But, but, but see, that's just our like circle. Like, if you go out to like people that bought 3DS to play My Little Pony 3D or whatever, they might not have Pokemon. Hmm. Like, attach rates for individual games are not usually all that great unless they're bundled in. Yeah. And I mean... Like, hitting like 40% would be insane or 50% would be I insane. I mean, I'm sure the Wii U had sold a lot better, it'd be... I mean, yeah, there aren't that many consoles in distribution for them to... Yeah, that's actually an interesting point, and that's one that Game Informer made, actually, is that they did this editorial on their site um, where they basically said that, yeah, you know why software's not selling? It's because it's being capped by hardware. Like, sure, Nintendo could expect to make a, you know, to get sell their blades for their knives, but the problem is they first have to sell the knives. Like, they were saying... Uh, oh, this is where the Pokemon X and Y thing came in. There's the example of... Uh, like, if X and Y... X and Y was bought by roughly 10% of 3DS owners... So that's four million copies in its opening weekend. Now forty million 3DS owners worldwide, ten percent, um, and that's pretty good. That's for a hit game. But if you take something like Donkey Kong and want to sell, you know, if you want to sell that same number of copies of Donkey Kong, a couple million, you're talking like two thirds, three quarters of Wii U owners. That is not going to happen. There's not, you have no way of ever getting three quarters of Wii U owners to go. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go buy that Donkey Kong game in February. Like. People have different interests. People buy game systems for different reasons. There's no way they can get that many people to buy it. So as such, games, no game can sell super well on a system that doesn't obviously have people to buy it. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really, it's really simple like math. Just like oh well, you max out if there's only X number of people, but you don't really think about it when you think about how Nintendo's like oh yeah, we're gonna sell games and that will power you know that'll pull us through. And it's like well, you need hardware to put those games on. I mean, not only like not only um. Did first party games not do well on Wii U, but third party did even worse. <laughs> like uh, Rayman Legends, the much hyped Rayman Legends, eighty-eight thousand copies total. Sonic Lost World, which keep in mind was backed by Nintendo, they have Yoshi DLC. It's like super Nintendo's been promoting it like crazy, eighty-two thousand units. Uh, Monster Hunter Three, that even carved out a nice little niche for itself and was considered a success by Capcom. Well, that success was only ninety-three thousand copies across the whole country. Oh, man. So like these games just aren't. I mean, that's more respectable, but still. These games just aren't sung. I mean, look at, like, if you take Just Dance this year, Just Dance 2014 on Wii, it came out in October. It has sold 800,000 copies. Monster Hunter came out in March. Granted, it's a little more niche, but it couldn't even crack 100,000. It couldn't even do an eighth of what Just Dance could. So there's definitely an audience issue. Yeah, I guess people just don't really care about the Wii U, like, in general. I think, yeah, I think it's just hard to grasp for them. I don't know, because, I mean, obviously, like, we love the Wii U. Like, we are fine with it. But I guess yep. it's just different enough that it's, you know, it's just a really niche console. I think part of the problem is, honestly, like, if you look at the Wii U, like, we find good uses for the gamepad. We go, we've set on the show for different games. That's a really cool way to do the whole asymmetric gameplay. It's a really cool way to do the multiple screen experience. Like, oh, Gamer and Game and & Wario, for example. Yeah, one of the first ones that really clicked with me. Cool, like, off I mean, TV plays cool. But quite frankly, if someone said to me, Sell me the Wii U in 10 seconds. It has a second screen, and it, like, does stuff that the other screen doesn't, but it's, like, kind of connected. Like, there's no there's no single thing. I can't just go look at Wii Sports. That's why you should buy it. They still don't have... 
even Mario 3D World in the commercials, like, I use the gamepad to blow platforms up. Like, literally blow in them to rise them. Yeah. It's like, that's not a system selling feature. I mean, when you can talk to your iPhone or talk to Google and have them spit back, like, detailed information, being able to go, <sighs> and have a little platform rise an inch is, like, meaningless. Like, it doesn't, it's not that exciting. I know one's for adults, one's for kids. Like, Siri is, like, for adults to learn things and blow yeah. into a platform for kids. But still, like, it's, quite frankly, it's missing the hook, I feel like. I love my Wii U. I think it's great, and I like the features, but there's no way to convince other people those features are worth buying for. It's like, I Iwata once said it best in an interview, I think. He was he was saying something like, uh, we're having trouble. The people that have a Wii U really like it and find it to be a very satisfactory experience or something like that. But those who don't know what the Wii U is, or those who don't have a Wii U, don't know why they need a Wii U. So we need to figure out how to get those people to buy one, and then they'll like it and understand it. You, it's hard to sell a product that you can't pitch. Yeah. Which might be why their uh, the pitch contest they did on YouTube had like five entries or some insanely low number. You think it was six? Yeah, it might have been six. <laughs> no, but uh, you could have won it, maybe. Eh. Then again, no, I, I can't pitch. <laughs> I just told you. Yeah, but you only had ten fix to work with. I know that would have been a minute. That's true. But the winning entry was actually pretty good. But he did a good job. It's about you. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it was good. But, uh, yeah, it's just they like... They didn't mention the gamepad at all. No, like, see, exactly, they didn't. And Nintendo's like, yeah, well, it's true that we don't know what the gamepad's for. And it's just like, anyone that looks at it's gonna go, well, okay, so you can do stuff that interacts with the game on the tablet? Why don't I just have my iPad and run, like, Smart Glass for my Xbox or, like, the PlayStation app? On my, you know, for PS4, like, why why am I buying this weird tablet with buttons on it? Who has a tablet with buttons? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, for average Joe, this thing is bizarre. Like, I love it. You you like it a lot, too. I, I mean, I know that. But, not put words in your mouth, but you did just say it. But, like, to the average person that doesn't know what this thing is, I don't know how they're supposed to figure it out. Yeah. It's a very strange system. Like, even the DS was a little yeah. weird when it came out. There's two screens? Why? But when but it wasn't like that's what made it endearing at first. It's like yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. And I own it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's just like you. Could, I could see average consumers being like, "Why? Why?" But it had really good software for one thing, which the Wii U now has too. But the difference is the DS wasn't so radically different that you couldn't explain it. Nintendo could, in one sentence, go, "The touchscreen can let you use a map," and you're like, "Okay, that makes sense." But then it's like the gamepad lets you use a map too. And it's like why? I have a 40-inch TV. The map can fit on oh. there in the corner. I don't understand. Like, for the average Joe, I mean. I mean, we yeah. obviously... But I mean, Wind like, Waker's great with the map down there, but... Like, I feel like when they try to put too much emphasis on, like, trying to explain what what the touchscreen could do... They lose I feel like Yeah, I feel like it downplays it. Like, instead of just saying, like, oh, now you could have a map screen or your inventory. Yeah. Like, never just saying just having it there. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, that's part better. of the problem is if they try... that's what I think of it. Like, I don't know. I just love having... Games like they use a touchscreen just because it's right. like, um, they're just more buttons. It's like extra buttons or extra things. Like for, I mean, it's not the Wii U, but for 3DS, like Pokemon, like that touchscreen or just like that, se- having that second screen for looking at like what the team you're having or just messing with the menus is just so, I guess, seamless or right. just makes sense. And- yeah, no, it does. And I mean, honestly, like, I think that's why the DS was an easier thing to grasp, because it's, like, your screen's right there, the second screen, which is touch, is right there, like, they're both right in front of your face, like, this yeah. one, it's, like, you're looking in two different places, and, like, it's fine once you know what to do, and you get it, and, like, I, like I said, I love the Wii yeah, but, but so- for people that are, like, wait, so I have to look away from the TV, like, way away from the TV, oh. like, why am I doing that? <laughs> Just hold it upright so it looks kind of like a big 3 A giant, t- yeah, yeah. 
But, but I, know, I mean, there's some games that I can't see really work. Well, I mean, they obviously can work. Like Monster Hunter, like, I got too used to just having the touchscreen there just to, like, right. mix my my items really fast to make, like, what's still their traps, like, on the spot. You're exactly but, what Iwata was talking about. You're yeah. the one who, once you have a Wii U, you're super satisfied with it, and you can't go back to not having one. But, the problem is, if you didn't have a Wii U, you would not know Monster Hunter is so much better when you have the touchscreen there. You would, it not, wouldn't enter your mind. Yeah, because that game has too many commands and buttons that like you can't fit them all like right. to do certain actions you have to like you can only access them by pressing like select go going to a menu and then going into a sub menu and then that's when you can do like your little gestures and stuff but with the gamepad you, you so, have like quick links like you can customize like, so how does nintendo put down a commercial no, that can appeal? That's the thing right. that they can't it's like, yeah it's like once you have it you know oh this is so great because if you had a ps3 and you're playing monster hunter frontier g or whatever on the online one you wouldn't go you wouldn't be playing... You might go, man, this menu system sucks, but you wouldn't go, I really need a touchscreen in, in between my joysticks here on my uh, DualShock. Like, it probably wouldn't I mean, enter your mind. It's just like being able to, like, type on it while playing, not right. really interrupting anything. Oh, yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Don't, you don't need to sell me on it. No, I no, totally... no, 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 no. I'm just, yeah. like, playing in general. But, like, as I'm, like... I was just kind of skimming, like, the games I have, and I'm like, oh, there is... I guess Zombie U, but they kind of make you use the gamepad, but it worked. But yeah, like there's but games that they... use it well. Pikmin Three, yeah. it's nice having the map, being able to scan around like that's really nice. But you know what? If someone told me, like if I never played a Wii U, and someone's like, "Oh, the Wii U, you get you pay two hundred fifty, you three hundred dollars, you get this screen, and it lets you scroll through the map," I go, "Well, in Pikmin Two, I just pressed L, I think it was, and I could just move the map freely. Like I don't need to buy this." spend $300 to press L and move the map. Like, you know what I mean? It's really yeah, hard. Yeah. There's a disconnect. There's a total disconnect. So that's part of Nintendo's problem. But, um, and that's why the game sales aren't that great because if no one's buying a system because they don't understand it, how are you supposed to sell your games? So. Oh, wheel. It's a, it's, a, it's a problem. I mean, on the flip side of all this, on the flip side of all the Wii U sales woes, you could argue that the 3DS is actually Nintendo's real brand butter. That's the breadwinner. That's the... Yes, it's 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 the breadwinner of the family. That's the um, that's the one where Nintendo can make all their money back, presumably, because the 3DS, you know, selling great supposedly. What can go wrong? I mean, the games are doing super well. Its game sales are noticeably stronger than Wii U. They've had multiple million sellers this year. Nintendo confirmed actually, really? yeah, they just confirmed with the December MPD. They released a statement about 3DS. Didn't mention Wii U in it, but they confirmed that uh, combined physical and digital sales of Pokemon X and Y have now passed 3 million copies here in the U.S. Jeepers. That's, indeed, that's uh, one point <laughs> that's 1.63 million copies for X and 1.54 million copies for Y. So, Why? those of you who bought X like me, and Jose. you made the right choice. Oh, and Jose, I forgot you have X. And those of you who bought Y, as Jose said, Y, you should have gotten X. It's clearly the cooler one. We're the cool kids. You guys are the lame Y that's people. That's funny. Like, um, my brother has Y, but he didn't buy it. We only have Y because... So there was having this deal where if you buy either Ninja Turtles for the Wii or Angry Birds, you get any game you want for free. Like, any DS game. Doesn't matter what it is. So we bought Ninja Turtles yeah. for, like, 20 bucks, and then I told her, oh, you want Y? And I'm like, sure, got it for free. What? What? Toy Us is giving away the game, basically? Yeah, a lot of people... Huh. Yeah, so, I mean, you could either think of it as, like, oh, I get, um... I guess, I think, um, A Link Between Worlds was, like, just right. came out around the time that the deal was going. So, right, like, right. oh, it's, like, getting it for 10 bucks cheaper. But since that's I have okay. to have every Ninja Turtle related thing, it's like, whoa, that's like an amazing. Deal. Okay, you have to like you. It's not you want. <laughs> it's it's a need. It's it's how you sleep at night, is knowing still, you own all the Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah, the game is still in a shrink wrap. Oh man, that's what you did with that one game. What I do? Not open it. Oh yeah, Rayman, uh, Rayman Rabbit. 
Rabbids Go Home. I have yet to open. It was part of a deal on Amazon two summers ago. Three summers ago. Two summer Three. And I got Pokemon Black. I got something else. And I got Rayman uh, Rabbids Go Home. And I, no, I have yet to open Rabbids Go Home. I don't remember what the second game was. Oh, uh, Rhythm Thief. Oh, well, we'll play on Turtles at some point. It's multiplayer. So I need people to play it anyway. I, I guess I will. It yeah. seems like you just committed me to it. But, I was, <laughs> uh, but um, well, now I know why Pokemon X and Y sold over 3 million copies. I can tell you Because Toys R Us has given them away. Yeah. It's like, how Jay, it's like how Jay-Z sold a million copies of his last album before it even came out because Samsung bought a million copies and put them on a bunch of Galaxy phones for free. Like, people with Galaxy phones could download the album for free and Samsung flipped the bill for a million copies. Oh, wow. So Jay-Z had a platinum record before it even was released. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nuts. But, uh, yeah, but in addition to X and Y, back to... to yeah, what were we talking about? Yeah, in addition to X and Y, there are other million sellers this year. Uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon actually managed to sell two... Really? Yeah, 1.21 million copies. That's pretty good. I Better than I expected, to be honest. I did not think this game would have that. I mean, we've been talking about sales since it came out, basically. Nintendo keeps telling us how great it is. But if you told me in February that this game, like last February, that this game was going to have that good of legs, I would not have believed it. I remember where I read or where I heard, but they were saying, like, oh, is it a coincidence that the year that Nintendo benefits on Luigi also happens to be their worst year? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's their worst on record, though. Well, probably. But yeah, it, it, it uh... Well, the Luigi worst year, curse. Like, the yeah, Luigi I mean, curse. after the Wii success, it's kind of, I mean, definitely. The Wii like U is though. the Luigi of the Wii. <laughs> I'm sorry, Luigi fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of a funny coincidence. And uh, I don't even know how to transition back. But one other game that sold a million <laughs> copies was Animal Crossing New Leaf, which since it came out in June, 1.1 million. And that's all here in the U.S. alone based on eShop and stores. Oh, I physical. Really that game. So I haven't touched Animal Crossing in so long. I'm afraid to go back because I feel like my villagers are going to, like, Pickaxe me, pickaxe me to death or something because I haven't been there in so long. They're gonna like chew me out, and I'm gonna be really sad and depressed and never want to play again. So yeah. I'm just not going to venture. Yeah, I'm just worried that some people are like are gonna be moved out because of Pokemon, like the new Animal Crossing. Except, did you see that crossover image of Animal Crossing and Pokemon? I think it might be a video. I don't know. Someone made like if Am if Pokemon was Animal Crossing, or if Animal Crossing had Pokemon, so it's like a, a zigzagoon for uh, Tom Nook or whatever. I and, like, always, like, it's just, like, random, like, an- anthropomorphic Pokemon animal villager things. I would play that. Pokemon Crossing? That'd be cool. Well, I guess the closest you could get is, um... Pokemon Mystery, Mystery, Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, Mystery Dungeon. Yeah. But, uh, I, we keep saying... Oh, yeah. 3DS, <laughs> uh, sales. Hardware. So, software is doing pretty well. That can earn some Nintendo some money back, right? But hardware is what's really, you think, at least, is doing quite well. Number one system in America for all of 2013 and for December. It outsold PS4 Woo! and Xbox Go, One in Go December. Team. Yeah, high fives all around. Um, but, it, yeah, top selling system in the United States all of 2013. 11.5 million 3DSs have now been sold in the U.S. since the system launched. So... That's pretty good, right? Like, okay, Nintendo can make some money with that, right? Right, in theory. With the butt. The butt is that even with those sales, it's still underperformed, and they still cut their forecast by $5 million. They're now expecting, which is like, really? They're now, Nintendo wanted to sell $18 million 3DSs. They're now selling 13.5. They're not expecting 13.5 million. Well, I guess million. not like the gaming industry in general. Like, Yeah, not to the same from, extent. The, like, like, I was watching, um, I don't remember why, uh, I have to remember where I get all my information from. Anyway... Um, you should do what I do and make a giant list of all the information. I should. Well, I, I was I saw a chart that pretty much showed that with the exception of the Wii, every single Nintendo console has actually just been selling less and less and less and less. Mm-hmm. 
So I mean, I guess it's following that. Pattern. That's Nintendo in general, but in terms of with that other console, in terms of handhelds, I feel like um, for casuals, they're just buying iPads, iPhones, Android tablets, Android phones, Windows phones once in a blue moon, no, I mean, Blackberries if they're living in the, the past. But it's crazy. Just random little tidbit. Um, we had a like parent conference thing the other day where we had all the parents come and we were like showing. For them. those that don't know, Jose works at school. I work in elementary <laughs> school. Yeah. And um, we asked the kids, or we asked all the parents, like, oh, how many of you have iPads at home? Because there's some apps that we could recommend them. Cause right, they work like with learning iPads. apps. Yeah, and, like, um, yeah, just about every single person raised their hand. And if mm-hmm. they didn't have an iPad, they had a, a Nobby or some other kind of Windows tablet. Fun fact about Nobby. I work three floors above their U.S. headquarters. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew that. I know you know, but... I, I'm imagining your what was all the listeners. Half of them were saying what because they don't know what a knobby is. And the other half were saying what because they're like, oh, okay. And then there's one guy that's like, who cares? Oh. So to that one guy, I care. He cares. We care. Anyway. Uh, um, only like, only know two or three. But yeah, I've there's had that actually have a Wii U. Yeah, it's because it's like... They, uh, all, they all play Minecraft. Yeah, which Nintendo desperately needs on their system. Minecraft is such a perfect fit for the 3DS and Wii U. The touch interface, everything about it. I don't know why Nintendo's well, not like throwing money at them and being like, make this, make yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, like, Notch already said that he would like it, but I mean, it's not... A yeah, complete. he just said it's not a priority because yeah. of sales. Back to the issue with the Wii U sales. No one's going to develop for a system that's not selling. But And the games won't sell. But anyway, what I was going to say about the 3DS is, so yeah, I think part of the reason that sales are down... To answer your question, is because all the casuals moved on. The DS, every six-year-old kid had a DS. The girls had it, and it had, like, all Ubisoft's Imagine games and whatnot. Plus, you know, the standard Nintendo Fair. The boys had all the Nintendo Fair, plus, like, the action stuff from, like, Activision based on, like, random cartoons they liked. like. Like, they they're perfect for... <laughs> it did. They're perfect for a kid. Like, any kid could have a DS, and it makes sense. Now, a parent's gonna go, should I get him that DS, or that new DS, or should I get him this... Kindle Fire that also has movies and TV shows and web games for $20 more. Or not web games, websites with parental controls. Like, it's not, the value proposition has shifted for casuals, so the 3DS just isn't as appealing. So yes, it's the number one selling system in a year where there's two brand new consoles, which by the way, um, PS4 is tracking to sell better than PS3 did, to answer your question if it was everyone slumping or not. Oh. But, I mean, granted, it's only been a few months, but if Buzz were to continue, it's well on its way. It's really early, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, it's super early, but it's, it's on track. Um, I want the PS4 to do good so that it could get a price drop eventually so that I could get one two years from now. Ready for this obnoxious comment? Uh-oh. Well, I don't know about you, but I prefer that the PS4 does well. You said good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's, it's going to go volunteer at Soup Kitchen and... Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna do good in the world. It's gonna feed the homeless. Uh, but yeah, so that's why I think the 3DS, even though it's selling, was that from Thirty Rock? What? Well versus good? No, that's just me correcting your grammar. No, I, I heard that joke the other day. Like Superman oh. does good, or someone does well. Might have been Thirty Rock. I don't know. I know you're binging it, but anyway. Thirty Rock's an amazing show. Um, it's all right. You're. I was about to say you're all right, but that'd be a compliment, not an insult. So I'm not gonna say. It. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that might be why the 3DS is dropping. And why Nintendo sales, you know, they had to drop them. Software-wise, the same thing's happening. Because, yeah, they've had these million sellers, but with fewer hardware, less hardware sold, that means probably less software. And sure enough, Nintendo's now expecting, instead of 80 million pieces of software to be sold this fiscal year, they're now expecting it to be um, 66 million, which is a noticeable drop. So, basically, uh, Nintendo's 
every angle they go, they're running into problems. And the thing with the 3DS is in Japan, it's on track to do exactly what they want. It's us in the West. We're the ones screwing it up well, for makes them. Sense. They know their market over there. Right, they, they know their market. It's on track to be... I think with the except, the DS was the first system to sell 5 million within however many... Um, 5 million in one year in Japan. Not 5 million like of its life. Like just a chunk of 5 million in a year. And they were anticipating 3DS doing the same. It came in at 4.9 million at the end of the year. Which is still point, which is still nine hundred thousand more than most handhelds do. Not quite the same level as DS, but very, very close. So that's on track. It's here in the West that we're screwing it up. Um, Nintendo said that in Je- then the States it underperformed, even though it was still number one. Which makes me think maybe the 2DS is the one that's underperforming. Maybe Nintendo had really high hopes for 2DS as this entry level system for kids, but their parents are buying them Kindles and whatnot instead. Who knows? But in Europe, it's where the big problem is because in Europe, the only country that Nintendo outright says it's doing successful in is france i just said during the investor meeting or not even during the investor meeting he said like he had this opening statement he prepared and uh he had this opening statement he prepared and he basically was like okay here's what's up guys here's what's going on this is why the wii is failing this is why the 3ds is failing and for the 3ds he's like yeah france did well but that's it. <laughs> like, no other country in Europe, he, he's like, none of them, all of them performed weaker sales than their initial sales of the 3DS in the past. So that, plus America to some extent, is what's dragging down the 3DS. So Nintendo, Nintendo just can't win, essentially. Which is a little unfortunate. But if you guys want to read that, uh, or if you, Jose, even want to read that full statement from my water about why, which we already covered, basically, but if you are curious in his own words, we put a link on the blog post. Yes. Episode. You don't have to, but... I just saying if anyone wants to that's listening. So episode sixty two. That's where you find that. So naturally, um Nintendo don't. Nintendo don't. Sega does what Nintendo. Naturally, uh, I was gonna say that all this underperforming obviously had a very big impact on the world of Nintendo and made quite the headlines when it happened. Nintendo's stock actually dropped by a fifth of its like a eighteen percent, a fifth of its value immediately after the announcement. By the end of the day it leveled out to be down about six percent. But there was a noticeable nosedive right away, and it was making headlines all over the place. I mean, New York Times covered it, Yahoo covered it, Reuters covered it, Bloomberg covered it, CNN covered it. Like, it was everywhere. Headlines like, oh, Nintendo, you know, Nintendo floundering due to lack of mobile support. Nintendo, all of them were pinning it on mobile, which I thought was interesting. Or, Wii U sales disappoint as Nintendo doesn't shift to mobile. You know, things like that. It was bad enough. Well, first of all, it was bad enough that one of my friends who never talks to me, talks to to me about Nintendo, sent me a text saying, I just read in the New York Times about what happened with Nintendo, what's going on? Like, <laughs> they, it was that mainstream. Not only that, but Jimmy Fallon, in his monologue on Late Night Jimmy Fallon, you know, Jimmy Fallon, the late night host. He had a moment of silence. So he what? had a moment of silence and asked for a print. No, he, um, he made two monologue jokes about Nintendo's failing sales. And even they did a little skit with, like, Mario collecting coins and taking them to a bank or to a cash for gold or something. But still, like, they, they're doing late night jokes about this. Like, it's that... In the mainstream, this news. Like, it's that big of a deal that Nintendo's yeah, floundering. Maybe it'll boost sales. What, pity sales? It's like, oh, what is this Wii U that's doing so bad? I want to find out why. I want to see why it sucks. Oh, huh, it looks weird and interesting. I like weird and interesting. I will buy one. I guarantee you there's one person that actually followed that train of thought and did that. <laughs> one person somewhere in the world. Yeah, there has to be. There has to be. But, the you know, everyone basically, I feel like, with when this news came out, everyone was just ripping Nintendo apart and picking it apart so much. And just discussing what Nintendo's strategy should be and what they should do and quoting all these comments from Iwata about, like, what he, you know, what's Nintendo going to do next and where's it going. Now, in the time since all that broke and in the time since all those people did that, the stock has regained its losses. None of the mainstream media chose to report on it, only the enthusiast sites, you know, IGN and whatnot. But Nintendo is back to where it was 
before the announcement. And uh, they have a they have a investor meeting coming up this coming week on the thirtieth of January. I'm pretty sure the stocks could go down again. Whatever Nintendo says, I don't think investors are gonna be like, "Oh, I agree," unless they do exactly what they want and go mobile, which they're not gonna do. Uh, it's probably gonna go down again. It's gonna be a crazy roller coaster again. But for the time being, it's level. Huh. So there's that. But that, of course, leads us to talk about what those things Iwata was saying that the press was running with were. Like, what are these new things Nintendo's doing? How are they gonna address it? They're gonna discuss it at length on Wednesday in that conference. Wednesday at the time of this recording, in that conference of theirs, but. He did have a press conference and give some hints of what's to come when this news first broke. So the biggest thing is Nintendo's looking at a new business model, perhaps. And this one's actually most potentially the most interesting in terms of how it shapes where Nintendo goes from here. So I want to admit it uh, to the press in attendance and to the investors in attendance that in order for Nintendo to stay successful, they're going to actually need to look at changing their business structure completely. Like doing something different. As he put it, they're not. Um, they're now very skeptical about the idea of. I'm just gonna read the quote that they can quote simply make uh, make game players, as in systems, not as in people, uh, offer them in the same way in the past for twenty thousand or thirty thousand yen and sell tiles uh, for a couple of thousand yen each. In other words, I was saying, remember in remember like back when the Wii was at its prime, up through about a year ago, and I kept going to things like GDC and I kept making all these comments to the press about how like. We need to make premium experiences for gamers, like the freemium model, Facebook games, iOS. We shouldn't be doing that as game developers. We should be making full-price games that you buy your own dedicated system for, because that is what people want. They want to pay for premium experiences that are, have depth and da-da-da-da-da. And he like, always was you know, running with that point as kind of Nintendo's response to Facebook games and response to iOS games. Well, now he's saying, here we are in 2014, and now he's saying, yeah, remember all that? I might have been wrong. Because he's basically saying we can't assume that they'll just buy a system and then buy the games and we'll sell them at full price and everything will be dandy. Because clearly in 2013 that didn't happen. Yeah, no. Now, yeah. The, the interesting thing is, I don't know if he, I assume he means Nintendo specifically. When he was saying those other comments, he meant the industry as a whole. Like the industry as a whole needs to make premium products. Now he's saying, well, maybe Nintendo shouldn't. Because obviously it works for Xbox. Obviously it works for PlayStation. They both have sold over, I think Xbox is at 3.9 million with the one and PlayStation's at over 4 million with the PS4. So clear, and those, that's in six weeks. So clearly it's working on some level, but it looks like for Nintendo, they're realizing it might not be their, their preferred strategy going forward. So that, of course, that leads to what is their preferred strategy going forward. And that's where things get tricky, because I was said that Nintendo is going to look at smart devices, phones, tablets, because there's clearly something there. Like, now, yeah, just buy stuff from our smartphones? That would be nice. But, no, I think he means deeper than that. But, because he was An saying that they want the, Yeah, that would be super nice. I wish they'd... I'm hoping that... They're supposed to be doing that. Yeah, and they, an they eShop. advertised and it eShop. in that one video where they were showing yeah. it what it looked like. Well, that was just the mobile interface in our app. And, like, wrapped in well, the yeah, app. Well, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, push but notifications still. would be so nice. But, uh, yeah, no, something that, like, can help them, as he put it, expand the gaming population. So... More, probably more than just, like, a Miiverse app, but not a full-fledged game, I would imagine. Like, it's something that, the way I read it, it's something that's complementary to Nintendo's hardware and, and premium games, not replacements for. Now, kind many... Kind of like what Pokemon is kind of doing? Yeah, like how they have the global link and you have to go to their website and everything, and you do stuff on the site that gets you stuff in the game, and stuff in the game gets you stuff on the site. Yeah. Yeah, like... That would be perfect. Like, I think, like, last week they um, released, um... There's like a mini game, like a balloon popping mini game, and you just play it like on any website, yeah. and then you just 
Or you get points or you get prizes and then you send those prizes to the game. And there's actually a good amount of things that you could buy online mm-hmm. using the Pokemiles, the currency. Right. That are pretty useful and really easy to get just online and just send them to your game. And every time you save, it syncs it, so you don't have to do anything. You just save, and it's there. See, that's the type of thing Nintendo should do. Like, I think there's three... If they were to go down this mobile road, I think there's, like, three ways they could approach it. One is co- is something like that. Oh, and it also, like... Yeah, sorry to interrupt again. No, but, go ahead. But I also thought it was just really neat how, I guess, online, I guess whenever you sync, it also has kind of, like, a logbook. It tracks all your matches. It tells you when, you know, how many wins and losses you have. It tells mm-hmm. you... Oh, you traded with this person, you traded with that person, you left this person in the daycare, you took this person out of the daycare, right. this person evolved. It's like, whoa, it's like, I didn't know they were yeah, taking that's super nice. that many things, like... Yeah, no, I think something game. like that, that's probably the preferred way they should do it. I mean, because honestly, then you cap you capture that crowd that doesn't have the, you know, that has an iPhone or whatever, but they're like, oh, what what is this? And then they go research And the they game. make a dedicated app just for that, like the Pokemon Trainers Club, I think is what they yeah. call it. I think that'd be really That'd be super convenient. cool. And I mean, other companies have done that really successfully where they almost do like a little game, standalone game, and link it to it. Like, I mean, I think there's two approaches Nintendo could take, actually, to kind of play off what you're saying. One is they could do these sort of second experience, second, not even second screen experience, but kind of that road. Like, uh, GTA, yeah, but, uh, G- that's true. <laughs> GTA, uh, GTA 5 has that iFruit app on iPhone. And it lets you basically play Nintendogs with your dog from Grand Theft Auto, but on your iPhone. So you can walk him and feed him and stuff so he's okay when you get back to your computer, uh, back to your game. And customize your car and set up the buy, you know, set up appointments at the buy shop so when you get back home, your car is ready to go. Now, Assassin's Creed does similar stuff where you can, like, plot pirate battles in an app that then affects Assassin's Creed 4. Watch Dogs is doing this where you can, like, manipulate other people's Watch Dogs games by being the security cameras on your iPhone. Like, all these games are doing these very connected experiences where they're leveraging iPhone and Android and whatnot and iPads to provide an experience that complements and doesn't replace, you know, the, the premium console game. Yeah. So I think that's one way Nintendo could go. The second alternative is kind of more what Microsoft and Sony have done with the space, where um, they make standalone games for, hand, for uh, smartphones, but their properties... That if you want deeper experience, you need to go get the system. For example, uh, I think I just walked the microphone. Uh, for example, Sony or not Sony, Microsoft makes Halo games yeah. for Windows Phone and iPhone. They make a what's it called? It's an RTS. It's like a real-time strategy game about Halo Waypoint. Might be Waypoint. But well, they make I a. You're talking about Halo Wars. No, no, no. That was for Xbox. They make. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. They have like a portable Halo game that you could play for on your phone for like five bucks. And then that ties into the deeper Halo universe, which obviously you need an Xbox for, and like it fills in story plot holes, and it gives you achievements on Xbox Live, like it's tightly knit. Or like Sony, when PlayStation All-Stars came out shortly thereafter in Japan, they teamed up with Coke and had a PlayStation All-Stars Island game for iPhone, only in Japan. But it was like a full-on minigame collection starring all the PlayStation All-Stars characters, and it's basically a advertisement game. I don't know what the term I'm looking for is. Advergamement? I don't know. But it's basically a game that solely existed as an ad for the other game. And of course it also had cross-talk in terms of you could get, I believe, trophies on your PlayStation account through it. So if Nintendo did that, if they made like, you know, let's say there's a new Mario coming out. Mario 3D World. What if they made a Rayman Jungle Run style Mario game for iPhone? 
only like 30 levels. They're very short. It's an endless runner, but within... It's like it's an auto-runner, but within level structure, and you just go and you play, and the stuff you do in the game, hypothetically, can unlock stuff for you in 3D World when you link your Nintendo Network ID and then boot up 3D World, much like how Pokemon works. Or why couldn't they... You know, do stuff like that. Like, that could be a way that they leverage mobile and get people to migrate to the platform, to their real platforms with their real games. I think they're maybe doing some stuff with Mario Kart. I mean... Mario Kart would be good, actually. If they did, like, uh... If they did Mario Endless Runner, and it unlocked, as you played through it, depending on how you did it, it unlocked new, um... Bonus courses in Mario Kart that they download as DLC over time, so you don't feel ripped off if you don't get them. They come as DLC later on. Like, you got a full game at front, you know, when it comes out, and then six months later, like, hey, for all you mobile phone users, if you check out our Endless Runner game, we just added a brand new stage based on a level from that Endless Runner in Mario Kart. So beat the level in the Endless Runner, get it in Mario Kart. Like, why couldn't they yeah. do stuff like that? So I think those are two approaches they could take. Either entirely new games that link in, or some sort of companion app that links in. That's probably what they're looking at, but knowing them... I mean, I guess a third option would be um, just something like the PlayStation app, where it's just your friends list, your e, the eShop, your Meverse, uh, messaging, all that in one... Who's online, all that in one app. That's probably... A Nintendo Network app. That's probably a thing they should do as well. Sony and, I believe, Microsoft have those. But, I mean, that's how I think they should do it. The thing is, a lot of analysts, many, many, many analysts, were saying that Nintendo should go full-on mobile and make full games and just drop what they're doing currently... And, I don't know, like, make new games, port over old games, just dump all their IPs all over the iPhone and call it a day. Mm. I don't I don't think it's gonna it, work. It, it kind of goes back to that whole, um, like, Nintendo creates their consoles around the games they want to make. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, a lot of these games wouldn't work. It wouldn't, I agree. And and plus, Iwata himself actually sort of said what you're basically saying, because he, he pointed out that, and this is a direct quote, it's not, so, it's not as simple as enabling Mario to move on a smartphone. Like, yeah. yes, you can do that. You can just have Mario move on a smartphone, but you're not making the game you want to make. You make a game that fits that platform. Like, yeah. you're, you're, and, and, um, I think I was, like, 100% right that um, they can't just go that route, obviously. And actually, there there's actually an interesting piece by, uh, Chris Kohler over at Wired, the magazine and website. He, uh, he put together a pretty good editorial basically saying why this is a horrible idea to just release everything only on mobile. And uh, he, he, like some of the issues he discussed are really kind of spot on. Like, for, if Nintendo were to make new games on for as more than just promotional tools on an iDevice or on an Android device, that means you're gonna have to go headfirst into the freemium model. You know, pay yeah. pay as you play as you pay as you play type of setup. And the thing about that is that means you're gonna have to adapt how their games work. So, like, could you imagine if Zelda you had to buy dungeon by dungeon? That would Man. suck. Like, could you imagine a link to a link to the world going even They don't have weapons and stuff that you would have to like. Oh, yeah, more armor. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you're you're stuck halfway through this dungeon. Well, you could either go grind through the under dungeon for seven hours, or for only two dollars, we'll give you the hook shot. That would suck. Plus, they could never do a game like a Link Between Worlds where all the dungeons are at your fingertips at once, unless. They did something stupid like the hook shot for two bucks. Like, it just wouldn't work. If you're buying by dungeon... The renting items is actual money. Yeah, it's actual money. Like, it'd be awful. So, I, so unless Nintendo drastically changes how they make games and make them on Nintendo and lose that Nintendo charm and touch and what makes them so great, that's not a viable option yeah. for them. They did Mario Kart, like, you would have to buy... It'd be like um, Angry Birds. It'd be Angry Go, Birds Go. Yeah, you have to it'd buy be exactly. all the other characters, pretty much. Yeah. And when, everyone would just be Mario. Yeah, it, it would suck. So, and not only that, but then there's the whole argument of, okay, fine, Nintendo won't make new games. That's, that costs money. They still want, you know, they want people to buy their Wii, the Wii U and the 3DS. But what if 
what if they took their old games, their legacy games, they have thousands of them. What if they just dump the ROMs on an iPhone and say, look, here's Super Mario World for $4. That has its own host of problems, which Kohler points out, that, uh, one, crappy virtual buttons. These games are made for actual game pads with actual buttons that you actually press. They're already press. On, on these phones and... Yeah, there's yeah. emulations on phones of them right now, especially on Android, and they suck. Yeah, so you can see firsthand how... They're happy really bad. Play with virtual buttons. Yeah, and I mean, some people argue, and Kohler addressed this point too. I think I'm saying his last name right, Chris Kohler. Uh, some people address this, or point this out. He addressed this too. Well, what about Bluetooth controllers? Like iOS now, iOS seven oh. supports Bluetooth controllers. Android has always. Want, what about Bluetooth? Just just get a Bluetooth controller. Nintendo can release one. Well, the interesting thing about that is, if Nintendo were to do that, their audience goes from hundreds of millions of people that own iPhones to whatever very small percentage own Bluetooth controllers. And like the likeliness of it all is that... That sentence made no sense. It's likely that... There we go. It's likely that the number of people that own Bluetooth controllers is the same number, if not smaller, than the number of people that would just own the Nintendo system in the first place. So why would Nintendo even invest the money in building those virtual buttons or building in Bluetooth support and making it work, building a special emulator just to then have the exact same audience that they could have done on their own without having to go on a competing platform. Yeah. So I think, like, uh, yeah, I, and the other thing, one last thing, that's what I thought there, one last thing that he pointed out in his article, which is also very true, is for older ports, sure, there's a ton of them on the iPhone. You can find Pac-Man. That's free app of the week a week ago. It was pretty bad, but, but it was there. Um, but most of them drop like a rock in the sales charts. Like Grand Theft Auto kind of hovers because those are really actually surprisingly good ports. But the vast majority of ports, good or bad, disappear from the sales charts like in a day or two. You don't see Sonic still charting. You don't see Pac-Man, except when it's free app of the week and Apple is heavily promoting it. You don't see it on the sales chart ever. Tetris is barely there, and, and EA's making like legit Tetris experiences for iPhones. So he has a point that like you know they drop off quickly. If you put, don't put in controller support, it's just hard to play. If you do put in controller support, you're no better off than if you have your own system. The whole thing just doesn't make sense. It's just kind of pointless. So so that's the situation with what Nintendo may or may not do with mobile. I really think companion apps are how they're going to do it. Unless they have some crazy new like paradigm of how to engage with the mobile audience that they're planning to announce in a week or tease in a week before they go and announce it, like E3 or something. But that's the big one. Is what, How is Nintendo going to approach the market differently? Because they basically admitted the times are changing and we need to change with them. So the question is how are they going to do it? And only time will tell. Uh, one thing that they're certainly going to do that might help them is they're going to get more in touch with their Western markets. It's kind of been... Uh, I think all Nintendo fans know this. I mean, we certainly know this. Nintendo walks to the beat of their own drum. They do whatever they want. Sometimes it works out, and they have the Wii and the DS. Sometimes it does pretty well, and they have the 3DS. And then sometimes it just kind of falls apart, like with the Wii U. They do their own thing. They don't care what anyone thinks. They don't really... It's just like, oh, yeah, this seems like it'll work. Let's just go for it. And the problem is, usually what they decide is relatively in sync with the Japanese market because they all live in Japan, so they know. Like, like when they're sitting at board meeting and go, should we do a tablet controller? It's like, yeah, I can see people using that because, you know, living rooms in Japan are small. There's only one TV in the house, and if it's being used, you have the gatepad with the off TV. I, I don't know if that's necessary. In an apartment, sure. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I should say apartment, not house. Yeah. But, you know, you can argue. You could see how they could see that would make sense. But in America, where there's, like, more TVs than people, it's... Yep. It's it's a little harder to pitch that. So um, the thing that I was now admitting and saying they're going to address is that they're going to start trying to look more at foreign market trends and see how they can use that to fix things. 
And the fact that they're outright acknowledging that they have to pay attention to trends in the U.S. and Europe is pretty, pretty huge, I'd say. I wouldn't say it's as big as the business shift, but it's pretty big because in the past, you know, Nintendo's problems can always one way or another be rooted in the fact, you know, can always be taken back to the fact that Nintendo just does their own thing and doesn't pay attention to market trends. You know, N64, they're like, you know what? Everyone seems to be switching to CDs, but eh, we like our cartridges. That hurt them. Third, third, third party support started dropping off, or like things like uh, uh, the GameCube. Some of the decisions they made for the GameCube in terms of what sort of things to do were very Japan centric, like having a very small system. Yeah. I mean, luckily in that case, the guts were the same as an Xbox, basically. But just stuff like that. It's very Japan centric. So the fact that they're now willing to look at how what's going on in the West and see things like the rise of smart devices and whatnot, which obviously is happening in Japan too, but like iPhones are American phenomenon, which actually now that I think about it are like number one sellers in Japan as well, but still. Um, yeah, now that they're willing to look West, that, that bodes well, especially since previously it was always NL- NCL, which is Nintendo Japan, calling all the shots directly. So if they're willing to take input from NOA or NOE and start doing things that are more catered to each market beyond just the marketing, that could be good. And I, I, I do wonder though if I want to... Um, had this realization when he became NOA CEO recently. It was like, gee, this is not what I thought it would be like in America. Like, but I wonder. Yeah, but what if, like, just some things just won't? I guess maybe that's what's happening with the Wii U, but something that will work really well in Japan that just won't work here at all. That's like, that's what they're addressing. Yeah, so it's like, does that mean we might get our own version of a console? No, no, no. It means they're going to make a, wor- a console designed for worldwide instead of one just for Japan that also happens to do on America. Because the thing is, like, the Wii, that did super well worldwide. It was a huge phenomenon. But it wasn't because Nintendo went, well, motion... It wasn't because Nintendo looked at the West and went, well, this, that, and the next thing. It's because they're like, we want to do this. We think it just might work. But now they're actually going to take into account what's happening abroad and see how that can hurt or help their plans. Apparently, they were, they were in a bit of a bubble previously. And the uh, the final thing that Arwada confirmed is that uh, he is not going anywhere. Iwata is going to be staying on board to see things through. He uh, said that his role within the company will remain the same... And he will not be stepping down, even though they missed their 100 billion yen goal. Now, he said a while ago he wasn't necessarily going to step down, and those reports were false. But now we know 100% he's really not stepping down. So he wants to see things through and make sure Nintendo gets back on its feet. Please understand. Exactly. He actually, uh, reportedly, I haven't found much evidence of this. I've been trying to find it. But uh, reportedly, he's taking a pay cut as part of the, like, oops, sorry, I messed up. But he's not actually leaving. So the good thing is that on the wrist. Yeah, basically. The good thing is it means we're still going to be seeing him act wonderfully cheesy in the Nintendo Direct videos, so I'm, I'm okay with this. But if he doesn't manage to turn Nintendo around, then something's going to have to change. I hate to say it, I like Iwata. He's really, like, he's really, he seems like a really nice guy. He's, he's, he's entertaining to watch Nintendo Direct. He seems very personable. When we saw him at E3 briefly, he smiled. That must count for something. <laughs> um, so, I, ho- I hope that he doesn't have to leave. He's a cool guy. But, um... At the end of the day, whatever happens, really, uh, Nintendo has a lot to work with, and this isn't the doom and gloom that the mainstream media was making it out to be, I feel like. Like, they're sitting, did you know they're sitting on $4.4 billion in cash that they can spend? I thought it was a lot more. 4.4 is a lot. You might have been seeing the yen number, which is a lot higher. Thought, uh, for some reason, I thought it was like around $10 billion or something. Their market value is $20 billion. So their stock is currently valued, when added all together, at $20 billion. But they have cash, like ready to spend at like any time they need it. They have cash of four point four billion, which is pl- it's a lot of money. 
so they can, you know, even if the Wii U doesn't take off and they just carry along with the slightly sagging sales of the 3DS, they can get through this and they'll be fine. They always find a way. It's just going to be really interesting to see what that way is in this case. Like, what are the new strategies? What are the new approaches? How are they leveraging mobile? What is Iwaga going to do now that he's paying attention to foreign markets, if he really is? Like, what what's going to be different this time? So we're going to start getting a sense of that with that investor meeting on January 30th. And, of course, we're going to discuss it in depth on our next episode, which is February 9th. And, uh, of course, throughout the year, this is going to be a very interesting, like, transitional year for Nintendo. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to hopefully make for some good podcasts with some interesting discussion. But, of course, this one's nowhere near done. Uh, we talked about what's going on with Nintendo as a company, but we should probably also talk about what they're actually doing. Like, what Nintendo does, which is make games. So we should probably switch over and talk about the games. The thing Nintendo actually makes. So, um, going from the sad news and the bad news to the more cool, this is cool news, aka happy news, uh, here's some game news. So there's actually, uh, there's a fair amount of news, but there's not a lot of actual newness to this news. Like, we got some updates on some games that are coming. It's confirmations and compilations. That sounds like an album. Uh, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start an indie rock band with an album called Compilations and Confirmations. Com- I can't talk. I, I can't talk. That's the name of the band. I can't talk. The <laughs> album. The new album from I Can't Talk is Compilations and Confirmations. Coming this fall. On Round Town Records. Someone's gonna hold me to that. I can't sing. This isn't ever happening. But no, um... So Ramby's still gonna be in Donkey Kong. Yeah, thank you for helping me with that transition, because I was just <laughs> going down a rabbit hole of destruction. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Donkey Kong, they announced some new stuff, including that uh, Ramby's gonna be back. He's... The Ammo Buddies are back, or he's back. Ammo Buddy. Buddy. Nintendo actually confirmed that Ramby will be the only one, which makes sense. He is like... If there's one Ammo Buddy you're gonna have, it'd be the OG one. It'd be, it'd be Ramby. But... I don't know why they can't have more. Why can't they have, like, Expresso the Ostrich or On Guard the Swordfish? On Guard's awesome. I love On Guard. I mean, I could maybe see, like, okay, I guess I don't really need Expresso because Expresso and Ramby were both kind of the land-based ones. That's true. And, I mean, I guess it was just... What about Squawk, whatever his name was, the the parrot? Well, I mean, he didn't really serve a purpose until the second game. He was just a flashlight in the first game. And, I mean, like, I guess um, they didn't want to design levels for... Expresso, because I mean, he could kind right. of fly, so you, yeah, because that's the thing. He spent most of the time skipping parts of the level. That's like for Rambi, they actually have a like, whole second sections where you need him, right? Because Rambi's all about just pounding yeah. through stuff and destroying stuff. So. On guard, I could, I could see, I would have liked him to be there, just like to on guard, just to make swimming fun and cool. Here's the thing about that. On the one hand, I understand on guard's not there because Dixie, one of her abilities is she uses her ponytail to swim faster. She's more, she's easier. It was recently revealed she's easier to control underwater, which is nice. But there's an entire water world, and I don't mean the really bad movie. There's an entire starring Kevin Costner, whoever. There's an entire wa- Kevin Costner-free water world in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Like there's literally one of the islands is all underwater levels. They couldn't spare a single one of them to throw in on guard just to for the old fans like us. Like come on, come on, retro, come on, Nintendo, come on, come on, come on. But yeah, I, it is nice to have Rambi back. I mean, he's in Returns as well, so it's not shocking that he's in this one. But it's still kind of cool that he's back. Um, although speaking of missing things, like on Guard, it's probably worth noting that this game's actually missing true 1080p support. It was confirmed. Uh-oh. It's not really not oh, because apparently uh, Mario 3D World actually outputs in 720p as well. But what they're doing in both cases with that and now with Donkey Kong is they're gonna upscale it to 1080p. So the native resolution, the actual assets, are in 720p, but then the Wii U bumps it up to 1080. So it still will look really good. It just won't be truly native. But the nice thing is, because it's 720, that means they're running it at a very smooth 60 frames per second the entire game. So it's going to look really good and really smooth. Um, with that said, though, 
there's one other new thing we should probably mention. And this one, this one I actually think is pretty cool. It, on the surface, it seems kind of whatever, but when you think about it, uh, it's actually kind of neat, and that's online integration. They are adding leaderboards, which is like, okay, but what they're adding to the leaderboards is what's neat. So the leaderboards themselves are going to come in three flavors, as most Nintendo leaderboards do. You have your overall top rankings like of, of the world, you have the, the worldwide rankings around your ranking, and then you have your friends' rankings. And all these rankings are level completion times. So how it's going to work is you not only have the ranking itself, but you're going to have you know gold, silver, bronze, medals, depending on how you do, compared to whatever thresholds Nintendo set, as they always do. I can't believe I'm explaining this like it's something new. <laughs> but what, what they're doing on top of that is they're adding some other icons that mean different things. So one of them is actually going to be which Kong you beat it with. They'll be the face of the Kong you beat the level with. And that's because, it turns out, you can buy barrels to tag in Kongs that aren't normally in those levels. So how it works for is... For speedrunning and such? For speedrunning or high scores or just gang, you know, playing as a different character to find secrets or whatever. So how it's going to work is the banana coins you collect will work in uh, Funky's shop, formerly Cranky's, but as we all know, Cranky's now Scrooge McDuck and bouncing through the stages himself. Uh, so you get the banana coins, you go to Funky Kong's shop, you can buy a Dixie, a Cranky, or a Diddy barrel and put them at the level you want to play... Play through the level. If you get a high score, you Diddy gets added to your score. If you use Diddy when in a stage, it's normally Dixie, that sort of thing. And those banana coins also work for unlockables in Funky Shop. There's a um, a what's it? Capsule machine, like a capsule ball machine, kind of like Smash Bros. And when you put a coin in there, it'll randomly spit out some sort of unlockable, be it character figurine, uh, concept art, music. You know, other things like backstory I think stuff. the previous game also had little figurines, right? I, I believe so. I don't and remember. The, and they also had um, art that you could Yeah, unlock. but I, was it like this capsule system? I think I mean, you just unlocked them normally, I think right? You just unlocked them. Right. This one's like taking a cue from Smash Bros. and is doing the whole capsule thing with banana coins. So so that that's not directly related to Leaborn. It's kind of a side. But the, the really cool thing about the Leaborn that I was kind of tiptoeing around to be all dramatic is uh, video replays. Nintendo is letting you have video replay. So whenever you beat a stage with a new fastest time, it can it'll, it'll give you the option to upload or it'll automatically record and give you the option to show that replay of your speed run essentially. And the speed run once again it'll only work when you beat your previous score. When you have a new high score for yourself, but it's there and you can view it on the leaderboard. Any of the speed runs on the leaderboard, I believe, are accessible to you, which is kind of neat. So you can actually see how the top ranked player in the world got that score. And if you think about it, this is kind of like what Nintendo did with 3D World, where they had the Miis ghosts come in the level, and you could Kart see Wii. how they... Yeah, and Mario Kart Wii, and you could see how they did. But, well, I think they really need to do, I don't know if they will, is they really need to, like, hook it into Miiverse, in the sense that, like, I should be able, like, when I post a video, it should be it should be able to be embedded in a Miiverse post as well. Wouldn't that be cool if you could just, like, browse, like, the fastest speedruns, and then, like, yeah them and stuff, and there could be a whole yeah. secondary rankings. And you definitely could put videos, they've already showed it. Yeah, they have YouTube videos, for sure. But these won't be YouTube. That's why it might be a little trickier. Yeah. But um, what was just yeah? Because imagine like if there's like popular videos within the Donkey Kong community. So you have the top rankings of how you performed, and then the top rankings of how the of the videos. You can maybe see some trick that might not have gotten them the fastest time in the world, but is a cool trick, and other people can kind of upvote them almost. So I don't know if they're doing that part, but they are gonna have videos. And honestly, this and what Mario does is probably the closest Nintendo's gonna get, unless they do a major firmware overhaul to matching. Xbox Ones and PS4s share video capability, video sharing capabilities. Because both of those do live DVR, essentially, where you can upload video of yourself playing that you, when you just did a conference, you could do live video. So this obviously can't do live, but 
it's a step in the direction of being able to share your achievements. So, I think it's cool. I, uh, I, I hope Nintendo keeps doing this. I hope eventually they update the Wii U firmware to let you just take video. I it's going to be insane in terms of getting it to work with the specs of the Wii U, so it'll probably never happen. But, because they got to run, like, a separate process. What? Oh, in 240p? Yeah. It'll it'll be, like, and it'll be, like, 30 pixels wide. But, uh, no, it's very cool. I think, I think it's a nice touch. And it makes the game, like, it makes it feel more like just, oh, it's another Donkey Kong Country. Like, they're adding this layer of competition to a game that doesn't normally have it. So that's kind of nice. Beyond Donkey Kong, there's also Smash Bros. info. So, yeah, Smash Bros. So this, um, as... We all know Masahiro Sakurai, the head of the series, has been me verse posting a new Smash Bros. tidbit every day of the week, and oh, he continues to do spamming. so. Yeah, that's spammer. But the uh, the the thing is, he's his spam has been as good lately. He uh, the last couple episodes we've done, he's been revealing new characters, new levels, new this, new that. This time, it's not so much new content; it's new mechanics. So he specifically talked about um, how they're changing a few things. The biggest of which is edge grabbing. Now, edge grabbing is a pretty normal thing in Smash Bros. Most people, I'm sure, are familiar with it, where basically, as you're about to die, you can grab the edge and it keeps you alive. Um, probably not even needing an ex- explanation. And what some people do, me, is uh, hold on to that edge for as long as you can so, so that no one else can take it and you basically get a kill without doing anything. Usually you edge want to grab it in the last second. You want to grab it in the last second. You don't just want to sit there. But I like to just sit there. When I see someone falling way off from the corner of the stage, I'll go, I don't want to give them this edge. And I'll just go sit there and wait for them to pass, and then I'll get off the edge, and it'll be fine. So that is changing. You're not going to be able to camp, edge camp, and be cheap like I am. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you still You can, can but it's different. It's different now. Yeah, cool. I mean, well, basically before, um, you could... If both people don't do anything at all, like if one person's grabbing the edge and the other person is coming at the edge, before the person would just fall through the stage and just, I mean, fall through, p- fall past the edge yeah. and not grab it because someone's already taking its place. Yep. This time around, it looks like if someone's already grabbing it, the person will just replace the other person grabbing it, like steal the spot. Right. So you can't edge, you can't edge guard aim or edge. So what you, are they calling it? Edge, edge. But um, but they're still saying that like, it. oh, you still have um edge camp. There we go. So, I mean, I guess it just takes away um, edge camping. Like, usually what people do is, um, if someone's in the, if they're about to grab the edge, they'll fall to the edge in the last second, the yep. person guarding it, so that they have those frames of invinci- invi- uh, invincibility. Because usually people use their B to get back, so they don't get hit by that, mm-hmm. and then they'll die. But I guess now they'll be able to grab it. Yeah, basically someone, it used to be that, like, if I was standing on the edge, if I was holding onto the edge, if I was edge camping or just grabbing it, and you up it wouldn't help you. You'd still just, you'd go through me and then fall back down. Like, you, the edge was not Yeah, option. but now when you fall back down, you're going to be able to no, grab it. No, when you go up, you can grab it. The screenshot says Link going up into Mario, not the other way around. Oh. You can basically grab it from below. No, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, it's the same idea. You can knock off the person yeah. who's standing there. But, I mean, either way, like, most people, I guess, like, they also get to a point where they don't just kind of wait for you to do that. They kind of just grab the edge and kind of jump towards the person and just, like, attack them in the air and just keep going back to the ledge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... It's not going to... I mean, it will change but he, some he, things, but... He, but it'll change more. It'll change a lot, and it'll change a little, in a way. Like, I know that doesn't make sense, but... Because yeah. what Sakurai was saying in, like, a follow-up post... I don't know if, you've, if anyone notices this. When he posts a screenshot, sometimes if you click it through, the top of the comment thread is another post from him with more information. Fun little fact. So, um, yeah, he was saying that the time frame of invincibility, when players are holding on to that edge, the 
time frame of them being able to basically have other people go through them and not be affected, which used to be essentially infinite, kind of. No, like a few seconds. It, they, were, they, right. were, they would blink white and then they'd go back to normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that invincibility, but I, I mean, in terms of like, I could edge camp and just sit there and people would go through me at first and I didn't have to like, you know what I mean? Like, I could sit there for a while usually. Yeah, then you just fall off. Yeah, but now the, yeah. the invincibility tying before where you, people go right through you and it's not an issue is actually going to be determined specifically by how long people are in the air before they get to the edge and the amount of damage they have accumulated thus far. So it's not just like a set thing. It's not just you can just sit there and wait it out until and you can the person's go on the gone. last minute too because that right. means little air time. So that means in theory, in theory if they want to have the invincibility longer, I guess it could just, I mean, if you're Kirby B, you could just kind of hover in the air around it yeah, and just kind of wait for the person to get close and then grab it. Mm-hmm. But, um... How it used yeah. to work, which is... I didn't realize this, but according to Sakurai, how it used to work is... It would determine that, like, how long you could hold it, in it or your ability to grab the edge in the first place by, um... If your damage was above or below 100%. That would play... Wait, a, so, there was a... There, previously, according to him... You, there, previously... There was a chance you, could, you couldn't grab the edge? I guess. Or I guess, like... I guess I never... I, I guess, that's what he said. Edge. That's been completely removed. Like a, Whatever it was involving edges and your damage percentage being above or below a certain threshold is gone now it's like a scaling thing based on how much damage and how much time you're oh, in the air i didn't realize that. i didn't either when i read that i'm like well that's interesting but i mean he said it so i figured i'd say it oh. but yeah so it's definitely different Dude. i mean granted this i'll admit this conversation just now is very technical in terms of the mechanics of smash bros but it could end up changing the game in some interesting ways new strategies for me i need to find new cheap ways to be cheap yeah, so cheap, I need to say cheap twice. Yeah. Sucking yeah. people up and falling down with them probably doesn't get affected by this at all. So. No, there's nothing yeah. to do with edge No, yeah, exactly so. I mean, this yeah. is, you still have other cheap ways to do it. That's true. That is true. Uh, the other thing Sakurai announced that has nothing to do with my cheap ways is... Uh, well, it wasn't an announcement. It was a tease. It was a straight-up tease. And that was a screenshot of what appears to be the single-player mode on the 3DS version of Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. And uh, it was... Briefly shown in one of the early trailers for the game, they showed a very small snippet, like maybe a second's worth of single player. And this screenshot is from that same level as that one second. So we don't really know much about it. It's clearly side-scrolling. That's it. It's clearly oh. side-scrolling. What Sakurai did say, though, is that um, it's, it's not going to be subspace emissary. Yeah, so no crazy story, no... Presumably that means no crazy story, but I don't know... I mean, it could still be something. It, it's either going to be... I feel like it's either going to be what Melee did, where it's an adventure mode, where it's like, get from point A to point B. Just just go do That's it and be I done. It's going to be... Yeah. Or it could be some sort of new-themed single-player thing that just scales back the scope a little. They could still do cutscenes. I think a lot of things people didn't like is that it was... It's basically a weird knockoff of a Kirby game starring, like, all Nintendo's characters. So I think yeah. if he did the point A to point B thing, but maybe with the cutscenes, that could work. I don't know what he's planning, but... I mean, it also had... Well, I guess that was the adventure mode. I was thinking of... They had all-star mode. Remember where you have to fight uh, yeah. all the characters back-to-back? Yeah. And they had, like, a weird hub transition place? Yep, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I'm curious to see what it ends up being, but it's not going to be the depth of Subspace Emissary, it sounds like. Which is fine, because, I mean, I played it just to unlock the characters, and then I never played it again. What the convenient way to unlock the characters? It was. Though. It was an interesting way to unlock the characters. It was, it was relatively fun, but it definitely felt kind of like... I, I, it felt like... Some weird knockoff of a Nintendo game. Like, I don't know. Something that was weird about it. And one last quick note about Smash Bros. Um, Ashley of WarioWare has been confirmed as a assist trophy. So, for all you goth 
people out there who can relate to Ashley in WarioWare. You have a friend in Smash Bros. Yeah. Good for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so now switching to third-party news. That was, that was weird. Now switching to third-party news. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning that there's some new announcements of old things that are presented in new ways. So first up is Ace Attorney. Jose, your favorite. Uh, it's now getting a compilation for the 3DS over in Japan. Capcom announced that coming in April will be Ace Attorney 1, 2, 3, Right Selection. And that's right as in Phoenix, not as in the opposite of wrong. Um, and that's the official name, right? Right. So Ace Attorney 1, 2, 3, Right Selection. Yeah, that's the translated version of the name. Yeah. Oh, trans- well. Well, official name in Japan. Yeah, because that's weird because, like, I mean, that's not his name in Japan. I mean, it's like he has, like, his own pun thing over there. That's oh, not, well... That's not Phoenix Wright. I don't know. That's what Polygon tells me it is. Yeah, I it's, it's it. like Ryu... I think it's either Ryu something. Ryu? They already have a Ryu, Capcom. No, no, they can't no. have two Ryus. No, it, it's longer than just Ryu. That's just what it starts with. I don't remember oh. what its actual name is. Oh. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so this compilation is actually, like, they're putting effort in. Much like the HD re-releases on iOS, where they revamped all the graphics into HD. And hand-drawn, right? Yeah. Yeah, this one, they're matching the system's feature, which is, in case of 3DS, stereoscopic 3D. So everything will be stereoscopic 3D. But the graphics still are still... Still Yeah, so everything is still yeah. identical. Yeah, it's not... It's just gonna have depth. It's gonna have layers. So it's, like... It's not gonna look as cool as a turn 5 with the polygons. It's not gonna look as cool as uh, Layton versus Phoenix when or that comes HD out. Version. Or the HD version. It's gonna be layered. But to make up for that, it's gonna come in a special edition when it's released for only 40 bucks in April. It's, well, it'll be released in April for only 40 bucks, and that when it, that version, when it comes out, will actually be a limited edition version that comes with a couple bonuses, which are a drama CD, which I assume is just a radio play under a different name, and get ready for this one. This this is this is top of the line. A download code for a wallpaper for your computer and presumably smartphone, because you can't just save that JPEG and send it out for free. You can only get it <laughs> if you buy Ace Attorney 123. So... Just saying. But no, the, the actual cool thing about it is it's got kind of, you know, a special case, and it's got to be have the English version of the game on the game card with the Japanese version. So even if Capcom chooses not to bring this stateside, which I doubt they will, uh, it will, you'll still be able to, like, buy it and experience it in your native language, Jose. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you own I mean, every I, Ace I, Attorney. I may have to quadruple dip. Yeah, I think you should, because this one actually sounds like a cool like, collection. If it comes in a cool case or something... If it has the box, then yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, Cause the I, thing... I, I, I feel like I've, I I own that game too many times. I mean, I have it for WiiWare, I have it for original DS, and I have the HD version. And I've, and I've played them all at least twice. And I'm still playing it right now for the third time on the HD version just because it looks so different. But right, but yeah, yeah. I, I was just gonna say that I I feel like this one more than anything might be working because like it's a physical thing. Like all you have multiple copies, but they're all digital. This is like a collectible physical box. No, two are digital. Well, two sets of them are digital. Right. I also yeah. have all the boxes. Here. Right, right, right. But now you can get this thing. <laughs> I'm just trying <laughs> to get you to buy more things. Um, it is worth mentioning that even if it does come to the US, though, it where are the odds it's gonna be eShop? I mean. Probably pretty strong. Ace Attorney 5, if Ace Attorney 5 was eShop, I don't see why they would do a yeah. re-release of 1, 2, 3 as physical. And I feel like they, it, it would have to come here because, I mean, they have Ace Attorney 5 already out. And if yeah. they want to sell more of Ace Attorney 5, it would help them to sell this one. Or if people but, like that But, one, but, 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 but it's going to be eShop. And then you're going to miss out on your drama CD and your exclusive wallpaper yeah, JPEG it, file that it, you can't it, share anyway. If it's eShop only, I would definitely won't get it. Right. Because what's no, the point? Yeah. Yeah. I would just have to get it for the box, pretty much. 
Yeah, which is why I'm saying you should import. It is so weird. Like, I feel it's like... only 40 bucks in Japan, roughly. It's like $38. So with import fees, you're looking at like 45 50 bucks. That's probably not mm. too bad. I don't know if they have any plans to uh, re-release or remake um, It's a Trinity 4, though. Because it's always weird that that one always gets skipped when they're remaking Cuts it. Because it's the odd man out. It's the, it's a different character. Like it's... No, but it's still like a core part of the story. Though. I know, but it's yeah. a different character. Like, it's, you know, it's like 1, 2, 3 are the classics. And then 5 is the new one with the old guy. And 4 is just kind of like this weird, like, yeah, it's part of the story. But it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It's like when you think of the X-Men movies, you think of... The X-Men movies. You don't think of the Wolverine movie and its sequel being part of the X-Men movies, even though it directly hooks in. That makes sense? Uh, I don't... Because, I mean, that game was more about Phoenix than anything. Oh. I mean, Apollo was just kind of there. Then I have no idea why they're skipping it. That's I mean. It's it's an actual Ace Attorney. It's just because they named it Apollo Justice here. But in Japan, it was... Ace Attorney Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess I could see people going like, oh, they played Ace Attorney 1, 2, 3 from this compilation... And they're like, okay, I guess I'll play Ace Attorney... Five. Yeah, Ace Attorney <laughs> Five. Or whatever it's called here. Um, yeah, it's Attorney... Uh, Destiny. Dual Destinies. And then they're like, oh, everyone's talking to this Apollo guy. Like, he's been there forever. Oh, what's all these references they're talking about? Oh, so is that embedded? Oh, well, in that yeah, case... Yeah, that, that's how it's like, it's a continuation. Like, they're going to be like, oh, uh, you weren't a lawyer? Like, Phoenix wasn't a lawyer? What the hell happened? Like, Right. Right. Yeah. In that case, maybe they'll do a re-release. Yeah. Well, oh. see, that's another reason that Capcom would go digital with it here in the States. Because they could release 1, 2, 3, and then just port over 4 really, like, quick and dirty port. <laughs> quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. Like, they don't even have to put 3D on it. Nintendo doesn't require that. They could literally just release the DS ROM as a 3DS eShop title and call it a day. Yeah. So, I don't know what they'll do. But, it's not, you know, it's not the only compilation of three games in one that's coming to the 3DS. Oh? Check out this transition. Another game that is also three... Uh, appreciated video game titles that are now being put onto one game card is a Cut the Rope pack trilogy reset called Cut the Rope Triple Treat because you see he eats candy in it. So it's three times the treats because it's three times the game. So it's obviously not quite in the same league as Ace Attorney in terms of who it's appealing to. But um, Cut the Rope. Everyone. True. But Cut the Rope is, by way of Activision, being all squished into one game card. So you're going to be able to get Cut the Rope, and it's two uh, spin-offs, experiments, and, tra- and time travel. Not the sequel one? Time travel. What? No. That's what's interesting. So those are three that's going to come with. It's probably going to be a full-price game. Activision is basically doing what they did with Angry Birds. So it's going to be those three Cut the Ropes. And much like Angry Birds, it's one core game and some spin-offs, just like the first Angry Birds collection. And uh, they're throwing in online leaderboards. It's going to be 650 stages in all. On the top screen, they're taking a cue from the 3DS eShop version of Cut the Rope. So the top screen will be Omnom doing his thing of Omnoming. Omnomnoming. On the top screen in 3D while you play on the bottom screen using the touch screen to cut the ropes. So all that, probably for a standard $40 knowing Activision. It's literally the exact same strategy they did with Angry Birds. Like Angry Birds... Uh, Star Wars, the original, I think, was out when they released Angry Birds tril- the original Angry Birds trilogy, but they left it out. Now, Cut the Rope's getting its trilogy, and they're leaving out Cut the Rope 2, which is currently iOS exclusive. So, Activision knows how to make money, because Angry Birds trilogy sold super well. And honestly, it's one of those things that, like, sure, we're probably not going to play it, but it, it's, it's good to have. I mean, um, if you think about it, Remember we were talking earlier about how 
the like parents are getting their kid maybe a Kindle or something because it it has like all the games, but also has all the other stuff. But the kids are really like, well, I just want something that plays Cut the Rope, Angry Birds. Those are the games my friends are talking about on their iPhone. And a parent walks into a store and they see, oh, there's a 3DS with Cut the Rope and Angry Birds. And there's this Kindle over there with Cut the Rope and Angry Birds. They go, oh, well, I, I used to like Nintendo. This has what my kid wants and they can buy it for them. <laughs> now, of course, the parent may also go, gee, Cut the Rope and Angry Birds are a buck each on that Kindle over there. But over here, they're $40. Mm, I'll still get the 3DS. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but if they don't think about the price, it is not a bad strategy to have these on the system at all. Like, it's good to have major franchises. Like, it's not, you know, when we were saying, why is Minecraft not on the system? Like, it makes sense for that and for these to be on Nintendo systems. They fit Nintendo's vibe, so. Yeah. So, I'm not going to probably get they're it, that huge. What? No, that these are the games that these kids are going to be very yeah. nostalgic over. Like, oh, oh of course. You have this thing when in your childhood. Damn. Of course, yeah. And, I mean, Cut the Rope is really fun. I have three of them on my phone, yeah. fuck each. But, uh, actually these straight, no, I don't have three, I have two. Liar. Two of them. Wait, let me look. We're stopping the podcast for this. I need a look. I need to know. Every, listeners need to know. They deserve to know, Jose. They deserve to know. I have three. I've cut the rope. I've cut the rope. Now I've cut the rope. Because the stupid developers didn't bother labeling them separately. No, I have the holiday one, which isn't included in the compilation. And I have experiments and the original. The holiday one was free. It was like 30 levels. So you done the time travel one? No. Oh. I need to catch up. But anyway, yeah. So I don't know, like, how big of an impact this will have. But Angry Birds Trilogy sold, was one of the best-selling 3DS games the year it came out. So I imagine this can actually sell pretty well. It'll be out March 25th. So for anyone who needs to cut some ropes and doesn't have a smartphone to do it on, March 25th is your lucky um, the final bit of an old game coming back is new, sort of, news. This is probably the most gamer of the bunch of everything we just listed, and that is Renegade Kid has announced that Moon is coming back as a full-fledged remake. Now, Moon, as you may remember, was their DS first-person shooter, their second one after Dimension, which was their horror first-person shooter, and this was more of an atmospheric game. It uh, You controlled a leader of a some sort of special unit, who they discovered a hatch in the moon, like a hatch you can open, and they went down to see what was there, and they just kind of explored it, and, you know, it's a first, full-on first-person shooter, kind of Metroid-y, Metroid Prime-looking, or Metroid Prime Hunters-looking, based on screenshots and video I've seen. Um, who published it? Because I feel like it, it was... It came out, it was... Because uh, I feel like when we were in um, college, back, I feel yeah. like I still thought, like, I thought that game and Dimension and Best Buy, like, all the time. yeah. It's like they were Dimension was by Gamecock. <laughs> that was their name, Gamecock. Gamecock was that uh, gathering of developers, I think was their original name, God. It was this group of like indie developers that like formed their own publisher, and they always did weird publicity stunts to get attention for their games, like naming their company Gamecock. And uh, they signed a deal with Renegade Kid when they first started, and they published Dimension. Moon, I believe, was a... I'm actually looking it up right now. Hang on. Moon was published by... It's loading. Uh-huh. It's loading. Mastiff. Oh, I had a Mastiff. feeling. I had a feeling it was Mastiff, but I didn't want to say it until I checked. Yeah, Mastiff, the, the, the company with the dog. It came out in 2009, by the way, so it was a few years after the Gamecocks... That's fun to say. Gamecocks uh, Dimension, which was 2007, I believe. So, yeah, so Moon, the thing with Moon is, yeah, it was always at Best Buy, but not that many people got to play it like i never played it but i was always interested in yeah, it i was always curious i feel like the graphics never... held it back for me because it's like 
Uh-huh. Something about it, like, I mean, for for the DS, the graphics were super advanced, but it just, like, looked... I was like, eh, I'd rather just wait till graphics are better and then try something like this at that point. I don't know, something uh-huh. about just because it was gray on gray or something. The, the timing just never worked out for me. The graphics, I thought, they so cool. Like, oh, the graphics look really good. Yeah. yeah, no, they look good. It's just something about it was just like, it's so gray. Like, I don't know, but um, they, for... For this remake they're doing, now, now I'm pretty intrigued because I never did have a chance to play the first one, obviously, but they're actually doing it a bit differently. Instead of it being a full-fledged game, they're taking the route of their other upcoming first-person 3DS title, Cult Country, uh, and they're making it episodic. So how's it going to work is Renegade Cable will have the first season of Moon Chronicles be the original Moon, so it's going to be a remake, and they're going to break it up where episode one is going to be the first um, four chapters of the game plus six VR missions. I'm not quite sure what those are. They don't explain it. VR, is there anything like um, Metal Gear Solid? Metal Gear Solid always has VR missions. And they're just like literally single missions. And they call virtual reality because they're usually set like, at least in Metal Gear Solid, like in a Matrix looking... Like a grid. Yeah, grid. Grid outlines. There's like, oh, um, sneak past these like 20 security guards in this weird place. Or take down this giant... Soldier or something. Right. They're just random. Okay, so, so maybe it is like that. But either way, you get... So it's like a random mission mode, I guess. Oh, okay. So yeah, you get four chapters plus those six random missions, if that's what they are, It uh, for $9 up front for the first episode. And that, they're promising that will be about four hours of gameplay. And then after that, you only pay two bucks for the next three chapters in sets of uh, three more episodes. That is the worst way I could word that possible. There were then three more episodes, each of which contained three chapters, two hours of gameplay for only $2 a pop. So it's all said and done, you're paying roughly half the price of the original DS version. And it's enhanced. It's not just the same game again. That's it has better graphics, full 3D yeah, support. Like 15 bucks, and that's like yep. for the price of like some games right now. That yeah, that's, I mean... Are on the eShop. Pretty yeah, good. it's a pretty good deal. And and it has, like I said, it has enhancements. It has the, um, the better graphics. It has full 3D support. runs at 60 frames per second, even in 3D. And, interestingly, supports the CirclePad Pro. Someone remembered that thing exists. So, props to Ragged Kid for actually supporting that. But, so you can do true dual stick uh, controls for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because if you think about it, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first true first person shooter for the 3DS. You mean there hasn't been a Call of Duty on it? Nope. There's not. DS had Call of Duty, 3DS did not. Mm-hmm. There have not been. The closest we've had to like a first person shooter is probably uh, Resident Evil Revelations shooting. There is which a, is like there sort is of over the shoulders. There is sword. a first person mode in it. Yeah. But. but yeah, so this is this is the first true first person shooter, and um, and the thing is, if the first season does well, they're then hoping Ragged Kid to make new episodes with new storylines and new gameplay and actually do new stuff. So this is almost like basically this is them building out the engine and testing the water to see if there's in- interest, and if there is, then they'll go full steam ahead and make all sorts of new content and keep it running, kind of like how the Walking Dead games work or any tale tale Telltale game works where it's just like. You know, they just keep pumping stuff out yeah. as long as there's interest. So, I think it's a smart strategy. And, you know, it's a good chance for me, regardless of what I thought of the graphics previously, to actually jump into this game. Because I've heard it's good. I've heard it's it's atmospheric and interesting. And the cover always looked interesting. Yeah. Kind of weird. With, with the astronaut yeah. mask, yeah. And plus, I mean, Renegade Kid's a great developer. They're one of the eShop's best. So, anything they put out, I'm, I'm curious about going forward. I mean, Mute Muds is so fun. So, I know this is totally different than that, but same yeah. thing. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Oh, yeah, but, didn't, um, um, the ATV game that was a port, right? And that's yeah, that was a DS port. Yeah, and that was also a Renegade Kid game. It was yeah, as and Monkey Bomb. Bom- well, that wasn't a port. No, but that just got a price drop the other day, yeah. the other week. 
But yeah, they put out a lot of stuff. They're 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 pretty consistent with their stuff. And um, the nice thing is, like, this is starting up really soon. Like, we'll be able to play Moon Chronicles in either March or April, the first episode. So that's another nice thing about uh, Episodic, because we don't have to wait forever for them to develop it, because they could just put out some of it and then keep building on it. So, so that's kind of cool. The, the the other game worth mentioning, the last game worth mentioning um, as part of news, is another game where a developer is, like, building out on what they already made, and that is Spin the Bottle, Bumpy's Party. You may recall back in October, after I went to Indicate and covered it on the site, that I was saying uh, the developers of Knock Games is go- are going to make... DLC for Bumpy's Party. And sure enough, they have finally finished it and confirmed a release date with Nintendo and it'll be coming out on February 13th. And it's 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 as quirky as the game itself. So for those who don't remember, Bump, Bumpy's Party, Spin the Ball Bumpy's Party, is uh, a game that requires you to get very physical with other players and the Wii Remote. And not in the way you're probably thinking, you pervert. Uh, basically, it's not you. Whoever listener happens to be a pervert. Basically, it's all these weird little games where the gamepad's instructing you to do things involving the Wii mode or involving each other that it's just like wacky and strange and you're doing things like intertwining limbs and it, it's it's bizarre. It's fun, but it's bizarre. So uh, what the DLC is gonna do is add a new level of strangeness by having camera support from the gamepad. So the mini game there's gonna be six new mini games. One of them you use the gamepad camera to uh, put a virtual hat on a person, and basically the person in front of you has to bob around with their head looking like an idiot, and you have to try and match up where their head is with the hat that you see on the gamepad screen using AR. Then there's another mode where um, you're playing football on the gamepad using your feet. I don't know how they enforce that one, but presumably you play along because you've been drinking. (laughs) That's the only reason I can see you doing that. Then there's another mode that requires you to not laugh, and the camera on the game will actually, on the gamepad will monitor if you laugh somehow, and other players are trying to make you laugh. Like, everyone else in the room is trying to make you laugh, and you have to, like, look into the gamepad and just not laugh, and if you laugh, you lose. Like the, huh. So, that's another mode. There's one, a, another mode where it's essentially a twister, kind of like we Party You, but instead of just your fingers on the gamepad, you're using elbows and knees and, and more of your body, and there's a mode where you're standing back-to-back, shoulder-to-shoulder, or not necessarily back-to-back, but shoulder-to-shoulder with another player, and together you move the gamepad to try and find a butterfly in the room using AR. See, it's like, like basically move as a single unit, but there's two of you, and you're each holding half the gamepad, and you have to like coordinate where you want to go with it so you can catch the butterfly. So right. it's, it's very strange. And the last mode that I should probably mention is by far the most basic, and that's just charades. But still, this game's wacky. It won all sorts of indie awards. It is. I watched a bunch of people play it in Indicate. It's fun to watch. Like it's one of those games that you could just have a good group of friends together and just watch chaos ensue. It's just. It's just crazy. Further, haven't gone yet, considering how often we. Yeah, no, it it would be fun. But uh, the the other thing, by the way, is much like um, was it Nintendo Land that does this? It will randomly take pictures of you as you play, and then just spit those back to you at random times as you keep... Or no, it was Game of Warrior that did this. Yeah. And it'll just spit them out at you at random times in between modes and stuff. So it'll just be like going through a menu and it'll just be like, hey, remember this? And it's you looking like a complete fool because you're playing football with your feet or whatever. But uh, the, the most interesting thing of this and why I brought it up is not so much crazy games, but how they're approaching it. So it's free to all spin the bottle players. But obviously, this took a lot of development. It's been work. They've been working on it since before October. It costs money to do all this. So while the spin the ball current owners are getting it for free, anyone that purchases the game going forward is going to be charged a higher fee for. It. They're raising the price of the game basically. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a nine dollar game, it's going to be a twelve dollar game, which is actually a pretty big jump. But it's also kind of smart because so on the one hand, now? yeah, oh. like 
today. <laughs> like, after you record this. But yeah, on the one hand, like, they have to charge someone, so it makes sense that they're doing it this way. And if by doing it this way, they let you, um, they let the early adopters kind of, I guess, be rewarded in a way. For, you know, thanks for thanks for being an early supporter. You get this extra free stuff. It's really, you know, have fun, have at it. But then the word of mouth that these early adopters generate, talking about the game, talking about the new mini games, could lead to more people buying the game. And those people aren't going to care that the price isn't necessarily 12 because it's not like they feel ripped off. They are buying a different package of, bun- of mini games than the person who told them about it. So it's kind of like a best of both worlds DLC situation where the, you know, the people that bought it are happy and the people that are going to buy it don't know the difference. So what, who cares? So I, I wish more developers did it this way. Like if they had to charge for DLC, you might as well just charge those going forward. Granted, you need enough sales to make it worth your while, but still, yeah. kind of an interesting strategy. So, so with that, I think that's pretty much it for news. I mean, we spent a lot of doom and gloom on Nintendo, Nintendo's finances, and then some happier news about games. But of course, there's also what we've been playing because when we're not reading, when I'm not reading all that crazy Nintendo, Nintendo's doomed. Nintendo am doomed, and I'm not reading all that. I am actually playing video games, shockingly. So what? I know, right? So I've been playing Chibi Robo Park uh Park Patrol. <laughs> I've been playing Chibi Robo Photo Photo Finder and um you have it as well, uh, do you not? I, I played the demo just cause Oh you ain't at the demo? I thought you bought it. You tricked me. Uh, I I don't know. You it's, lied. It's, it's not a game I would I would buy. Even if even though I like really like Chibi Robo. Yeah. It's a downloadable game and I know my brother's the bigger Chibi Robo fan, so he bought it. It makes doesn't make sense for both of us to buy it. Yeah. Same thing with Ace of Training Rock and buy two $30 copies. Well, I bought it because I don't have a sibling. Oh. So, so I guess I can... And Pokemon guess, 2 took too much time. Yeah, well, um, we'll get to that. You actually... Stay tuned to the end. Jose went to a Pokemon tournament. We wrote an extra, He wrote an extra about it on the site, but, uh, you know, just cover it a little here, maybe, yeah, too. But It happened. All right. It happened. He went. It was a thing that occurred in a place, and there, was pe- there were people present, and he happened to be one of those people. There, I did it for you. Now, what I was going to say, so for Chibi Robo, I guess, I guess since I actually own it, I'll take the lead on this one. Um, first, I guess a little bit about my Chibi Robo fandom, because it kind of is relevant to what my thoughts His on the game. steps don't make noise. That bothered me. Like, immediately. I didn't even notice that and I got like, myself Like, like the moment it booted it up, you start, like, in a black room and you see nothing but, like, oh, the graphics are really pretty and cool. The graphics are really pretty. But then I started taking some steps and I'm like, they're not making the little, like, chime phone yeah. noises and I was just, that really bummed me out for some reason. That, I, Let's do the sadness in his voice. It, you it, actually sound like you're gonna cry. It, it took a lot. <laughs> it looks like they took the personality of Chibi Robo and it was actually misleading because, like, in the title, in the title screen, um, Chibi, he's like touching the the logo, and when he's walking around, his steps make noise. So, Can I, I just point out. Um, yeah, I'm talking about sound effects. No, no, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, what was I gonna say? I lost it. You made you said a comment that I wanted to say something about, but I can't remember. Uh, so basically, that that single handedly made me go like, yeah, I, I made the right choice in oh, supporting. That's what I was gonna say. That's interesting that you bring up that, like, you're such a, you know, a hardcore fan and it's missing this, what you think, a key component. Because honestly, the thing that has, that sold me on Photo Finder and makes me enjoy it, as much, enjoy it is the Chibi Robo personality. Like, the vibe. Like, the chi- the whimsy of Chibi Robo. Like, if it wasn't there, just, I would not probably like this game. So, with that yeah, said... That's, like, 50% of, like, when I think Chibi Robo, I think, like, dun, 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 whenever he walks. He doesn't do it in the DS version, if that makes you feel any better. So well, it's not anything new that they stripped of him. Well, he's been stripped of it 
for a long time. Well, I guess I have to um, save space in the memory somewhere. Yeah. I guess I so footsteps are the way to or what you do. But yeah, I just want to say, um, in terms of Chibi Robo, it's probably worth mentioning the fan, like how my thoughts on the franchise, because like I said, the franchise is why I like this game. So, which sounds like a weird comp, but it makes sense as I go into the impression. So it's probably worth mentioning. I'm a huge fan of the GameCube original, like huge, huge, huge fan, and I do enjoy the DS one, Park Patrol, but. I felt the touch controls were really shoehorned on there and made the game feel kind of strange. Like, I just did not like the touch controls very much. It was still Chippy Robo. It was just kind of a weird, stripped-down, oddly touch-controlled one. But the main thing I like about Chippy Robo, and the reason I was perfectly fine playing Park Control even with the weird controls, is the personality of the game. The charm, the humor, the the wackiness. Like, that's what I like about Chippy Robo. And luckily, Photo Finder does have all that without the wonky touch controls. So right off the bat I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is good. I'm I'm okay with this. It's it's what it felt more like the GameCube one in terms of controls, because you're using a control stick. I'm cool with that. And I mean a lot of stuff that Photo Finder has also um also kind of meshes with like the Chibi Robo vibe in terms of they have the gibberish voices again. They have like crazy characters, crazy funny characters. Over like, anime, over animated yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like Drake Redcrest is back and it's more actiony, like than ever. Um, that curator, they have he moves too Mr. Much. Curator. Yeah, Mr. Curator. Um, they also have the most amazing. So it's a ketchup bottle and a mustard bottle, and they like to cook together. It's like the it's like a French bromance. Like literally, it's these two French guys who talk in French accents. Like all their dialogue is written with a French accent. It's like these are you know, like and. They are totally in a total bromance. And if you disappoint them or upset them, to show their shock, they squeeze their bottle. Like, they go, <gasps> like, they, you know, they kind of, like, breathe in real tight, but their bottle just, like, deflates into, like, itty-bitty little, like, toothpick size. It's, I don't know, I just, I, they're my favorite characters by far. And then there's also dancing sponge bears that sing. And there's a robot who, like, uh, you know, like, some sort of, like, 50, 1950s robot who's all, like, he thinks he's like the like the future, but he's not. Anyway, so even Telly's back now. I think about it, except now he's an iPhone looking thing instead of a TV. And yeah, he's still called Telly. And yeah, he's still called Telly. But so all that's he has the same voice though. He does. Uh, and Drake Redcrest does too. All that is there, and all that is great. The difference now is that instead of cleaning a house or helping to clean up a park, you're now uh, being tasked with collecting the style junk. Which are everyday items in our world that are from the past in the Tribute Robo world. And Mr. Curator is the guy that's telling you to do it because he wants to build a new museum. So you're using the 3DS camera to actually collect the style junk. And this is sort of where things start to fall apart. So. It took me a long time to get the 3D to detect the circle. Yeah. That I was thinking. It had to, like. I was first I was trying to take a picture of um, the microphone we use. But I couldn't get the lighting right. Even when I was putting on a contrasting background. Yeah. Like, I only got it to, like, 40-50%, and that's not enough for the game. So, I had, yeah. so, the only thing I could get to work was the Wii Fit meter. And I just put it on my the white table that I have, and then it barely got to, like, 60. I'm like, what does it need? Like, why is it so, It's like... because the 3DS cameras are so bad. It's because Nintendo cheaped down the lenses, and now they're expecting people to play a game that requires a camera that can actually detect things. That's the problem. Because, and that's the issue I was having, is, like, to take the pictures, well, first of all, to explain how this works, so, the nostalgia junk you collect by taking photos, and how it works is you have a silhouette on the screen, each photo, you have different silhouette films that give you different objects, and it's your goal to match the outline on the silhouette film to an object, like a circle, as you said. I actually did a Goomba Frisbee I have, like a Mario Goomba Frisbee, which is super cool, and it, I got 100% on that one. 
Woo. But, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so you have to match the objects. And the thing where where things go awry is they, they score your objects. So, 60% is passing. That's all you need to get the object into the museum. If you get 100%, you get some bonuses. That's fine. But the way they score it, I don't know what they're basing it on because it's all over the place. Because sometimes you get 100% when things aren't properly lined up. When things are perfectly lined up, like I lined up a Harry Potter book perfectly with the book outline, it's like 60%. And I'm like, what I do wrong? I, the book, like, physically I can't change the book. It's a book. But, I don't know, and I think it really falls down on the camera because there's all sorts, you need, like, a lighting studio in order to properly take these pictures. Excuse me, in order to properly take these pictures. Like, the camera just can't detect good contrast i guess like i was in a brightly lit room and it was telling me it, on one occasion it told me i need to be in a brightly lit room and i was in a brightly lit room i was directly under the light like i don't know what it needed it just has trouble detecting contrast and differences so that's why yours didn't come out probably and honestly if you're ba- if you're making a game that <laughs> needs the camera it would help if the camera actually could function well so that was slightly frustrating i mean most of the time, it wasn't a huge issue, but it shouldn't have been an issue in the first place. It should just work. Like, if you're building a game around a feature of a console, the feature of the console should actually work. We don't have this problem with the camera on the Wii U. Like, we shouldn't have it on the 3DS. Granted, Wii U has a better camera, but barely. But, uh, the other thing, though, luckily, or not other thing, that's a bad transition. I was going to say that the, the nice thing, luckily is that the game doesn't rely on the camera as much as you think. It's called Photo Finder. You're doing lots of silhouette f- photos, but the majority of the game is earning happy points, the like currency of the game, so to speak, in order to get the silhouette film to take those photos. The photos are much. So the photos progress the story, but everything that actually involves actually playing the game doesn't involve the camera. Essentially. Like, the, the, the thing is, you do have to find these objects the game gives you, and, the, and um, that part is definitely gameplay. I would, I mean, it's real, it's gameplay IRL, it's like real life gameplay, like you're basically going on a scavenger hunt around your house to find stuff, and sometimes it's very easy, and sometimes it's hard, like a frisbee or a round object or a book is easy, but a piece of sushi is a little harder, like I'm not gonna like go get sushi for dinner just because the game needs a piece of sushi, like that's a little weird. Or, like, I think I think at one point I read somewhere it asked you for a Wii U gamepad. It's like, well, as we discussed at the top of the show, there's not that many of those out there. So, <laughs> but, um, so I'm, honestly, the scavenger hunt part is actually pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. It's just when the camera doesn't cooperate, that gets not fun. And, even and like, and yes, all that is a small part of the game. Because, yeah, you're taking pictures, but the majority of the time you're getting this, you're doing stuff to get to the point where you can take the picture. So that is, um... So that's where the happy points come in. You're earning happy points by doing jobs for people. You're earning happy points by cleaning. You're earning, you know, various areas. You're earning happy points just doing that sort of thing. But that's where things get weird. And that's where things, like, you would think, oh, Chibi Robo, happy points. It's been in every game. That's how it works. You go explore and you get happy points. You go meet people. You wander through a house. You meet people. You get the happy points. You go to the park. You wander to the shops across the street. You meet characters. You get happy points by doing stuff. This one, they kind of compartment compartmental wow compartmentalized i can talk they compartmentalize everything so like uh you don't wander to meet a character you don't meander through a park and then go into a shop and find a back door that gets you to this character who's in a room instead you go to the chibi pc which is like your hub and on the pc it says explore shop jobs and something else oh shoot to take a picture yeah so Shop is where you get the film, using happy points, and shop is where you eventually get a battery that extends your range, because you have very little range. And, and none of the areas you go to have wall sockets. If you want to recharge, you always have to go back to the hub, 
with the Chibi PC and where Tully's hanging out. And you can only recharge there, which is strange. Other game, other Chibi Robos used to be able to charge well, yeah. well, at midway point. Yeah. yeah. But even Park Patrol, I think there's ways you could charge without having to go all the way back. Um, so this one, that's one thing. But the weird thing is, like, if you do a job, it's like, okay, go on the PC, select job, you pick your job. It just transports you. It teleports you to where the job is. And the job's just a mini game. And then you leave the minigame once it's over and you go back to the PC. At that point, you have unlocked that area to explore. So you can teleport back to explore, and the exploration amounts to a very confined area that you can clean. And by clean, I mean like clean up marker, clean up dust, vacuum, you know, uh, sweep, that's it. And it's not that big of an area. And you can kind of find little secret areas within the area, like little side paths that take a little effort to find. But really, it feels like a very minimal Chibi Robo experience. Like, you don't... I You can sometimes get items. You sometimes encounter characters that you could talk to. But if you want to, like, do a job, you go back to the PC, and then you do the job. Like, you can't... It's not all one world that's all interconnected. It's like you keep getting chopped into these little segments of what you need to do. And the minigames themselves are kind of hit or miss. Some of them are fun. Some of them honestly aren't that fun. Like, uh... There's one that's like a target practice you do with the 3DS. That's not bad. There's one based on Park Patrol where you're dealing with the pollution. You're like fighting off those pollution guys. That's not bad. Then there's one where... This is actually kind of clever. Uh, there's one where like you have to measure a distance for a robot using a tape measure. But you don't know the actual distance. You have to use Chibi Robo's height as reference for the distance. It's kind of like a brain teaser, which is decent. And then there's one that I don't... Like, as much as I love the mustard and ketchup characters, their minigame, it just isn't that great. It's like you go to them and they're like, we want to make a hearty breakfast. And then they just put you in the fridge and they expect you to know what ingredients to make for a hearty breakfast. So I was like, okay, um, eggs and sausage, I guess. So I grabbed some eggs and grabbed some sausage as Chibi Robo and threw them in the little basket and made my... And then took it back to them. And by take it back to them, I mean I walked to the thing that said exit, and then it automatically teleported me back to them instead of walking through the kitchen like you would hope. And then they're like, oh, you forgot the blub, or they're like, no, you failed, you forgot the blah blah blah. I'm like, how am I supposed to know that I need parsley or some random thing? Whose hearty breakfast has parsley, like, or whatever it was. Like, it's just, or there's one where it's like, look for a pig, not a pig stomach, but a pig chop of some sort or something. Pork I, chop? Pork chop, thank you. No, not pork chop, it was pig... Something. Pigs in a blanket? No, 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 no. That's a hot dog. I don't, I don't. I don't remember what it was, but all the meat looked the same to me. Pork like, rinds? No, I don't know what it was, but I was just like I, I, I don't know what raw meat looks like. How am I supposed to play this? Like, so that one was kind of that one might just be me being stupid. But there are some mini games like that where it's just like this isn't that fun. And then there's some that are really fun. And then there's some somewhere in the middle. So most that's how most mini game collections are. But the uh, the thing is. You don't really... Like, you get happy points if you beat them. You even get one pity happy point if you lose. But after a while, the games start repeating themselves. And that's just kind of... Yeah, it just gets kind of annoying because how it works is you eventually start getting charged more happy points for your silhouette film. And when that happens, it goes from 30 happy points to 150 happy points. And when that happens, you only have so many games you can... Mini games you can do. And you only have so many areas you can explore that you basically are level grinding mini games. To get happy points. It's just like, why, why? Okay, so like toward the beginning, like you do towards one game, you have enough to buy like one slip. Yeah. And towards the end, you have to do Towards the end, you're doing like over. over and over. And, and they don't change that much. There's only a finite number. So it's kind of like when the minigames are fun, they're really fun. And when you're exploring the first time, it's like, oh, cool, I'm exploring. It's kind of like Chibi Robo. But then over time, you're kind of like, well, this is all very familiar now. I'm just doing the same thing. 
And it's not really Chibi Robo because I'm kind of like teleporting from place to place to place mm-hmm. and not actually exploring. And it's funny, like the first Chibi Robo like also had mini games, but they kind of changed with the story. Like I remember to to their credit, not to sorry to cut you off, but to their credit, they do evolve the mini games a little. But there's only so many different ways you can be like, fetch me these items from the refrigerator before you're like, can I just have my happy points? I'm not oh. happy. <laughs> But on those is one I remember in particular. Um, like there's like these little egg, these little egg people. They were soldiers. And mm-hmm. I remember, oh, I remember them. The Sarge, the Sarge and his eggs. Yeah, and then I remember um, like the first time that you meet them, like oh, you have to go through like a little battlefield, and that's like the meaning you have to like not get hit. And then there was like another, and then after a while, like the story progresses, and then they're not doing their battle simulator. Like yeah, they have to hide from a dog, so you have to kind of like it's like a sneaking mission, and you have like a cup on your head, and when yeah, you talk to them, that's that this, mission. Yeah. And then towards the end, like, they're not even doing that anymore, and you have to do, like, um, one of them goes rogue, and you have to, like, you're playing chicken with them, you're driving, like, a little sports car. Right. And you have to, like, drive off the stairs, and you have to press A to hit the brakes, and whoever hits the closest wins, but... No, I mean, two park, or, I keep calling it park patrol, two photo finders credit, the mini games do evolve, the problem is they're just not that great of premises to begin with, for uh-huh. some of them. So it's like, yeah, you can evolve the tape measure game, but okay, I'm measuring longer distances. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always so far they could go with some of these concepts because it's not, like, the eggs where it's, you're part of an army and they can just play with that concept. Like, yeah. this one, it's very clear. Like, you are doing this. Now you're doing more of this. Now, it's not to say, I know I'm making it sound horrible. Honestly, some of the mini games are really fun and the exploration, like, it was really nice. Like, when I was exploring, I'm like, hey, it's like old Chibi Robo, I'm cleaning again, which, by the way, that's the only time in my life I'm going to be like, yay, cleaning! But, uh... It is, like, it is pretty fun, and I'm not, and it, I did like it, but I think the reason I liked it might have been less the raw gameplay, more it was Chibi Robo, so it had that wackiness and that character, char- character to it, that, like, lots of game. you know, it has, Chibi Robo has a certain charm, so just having that charm was enough to make me go, okay, I'll keep playing, sure, and the characters say funny stuff, so I have no problem with, you know, I have no problem with talking with the ketchup and mustard balls over and over and over, I just sometimes don't want to fetch them how to make the perfect lasagna or something. But I will say that the graphics in this game are actually quite impressive. Everything's very photorealistic looking, which is presumably because you're importing real-life objects so they need to be able to mesh well, even though the resolution on the objects once they're imported because the camera's so bad is, like, basically you're looking at fuzz, but, like, fuzziness. But it's still, like, the game looks great. There's real-time yeah, reflections like, everywhere. They're, like, on the floor and the wall. A little. I mean, it, it just, like, really... It's shockingly good for 3DS. Yeah, I was just like, whoa. Now, there is a trade-off for this, and that's that the frame rate is also shockingly low for 3DS. But, well, not shockingly, but it's definitely there's some frame rate dips. There's times where it slows down. But the thing is, the game's so slow-paced to begin with that it doesn't make a difference. Like, the most action-y thing I was doing was, like, the Target minigame. Yeah, Target I mean, it has some cool effects, like um, things in the background will be blurred. Yeah. And stuff like that. And has, like, a lot of run, a real-time depth of field, yeah. And, and, I, and I was just, like, playing around the beginning where, um... I mean, you start in a black room and you just have to run, like, across a little corridor and yep. hit a button. But for the longest time, like, I was just, like, making Chibi, like, run around in circles, just, like, looking at him. And then I'm making him come really close to the camera and I'm like, wow, it just looks yep. really cool. Yeah, no, he... It, it's... The game looks good. It runs... Like I said, it runs frame rates a little slow. But really, for a game like this, that doesn't matter. Like, some people online I saw were complaining about that. I'm like... Why? Honestly, it's not like this is a fast-paced game. Like, honestly, I, I didn't even see anything wrong with the frame rate. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I just mind. noticed that, like, it kind of... It didn't... I wouldn't say started, but kind of, like... It felt... It matched the slow-pacedness of the game. I guess is a nice way to put it. Like, it felt... It didn't feel, like, buttery, I guess. 
But it wasn't like a problem for me. I just noticed that it wasn't as good as it could be. But um, the music also is pretty good. The voices, for the most part, are the usual gibberish, like I think I already said. But I do want to mention, Mr. Curator sounds like a guy who, like, they recorded the voice, but instead of recording it, like, in a studio or with even a podcasting mic like we use, they, like, record it off, like, a flip phone from 1999 or something. Like, most of the characters are, like, doing little sounds, and then his just has, like, this weird grainy, distant sound to it. Like, it really sounds like it was a guy in, like, a echoey room or something, like... Is the first thing I noticed when he started talking. Actually, my dad noticed too because he was near me when I was playing, and he, and uh, he's like, "What with the? He's like, what? What happened to the sound? I'm like, no, I, I don't know. It's the game. It's not me. But like, it just gets like distant sounding and echoey and strange. But besides that, music's great. Sounds great. Uh, ultimately, I think that here. I think my thing with Chibi Robo is that it's it's kind of hard to assess really. I mean. The camera functions don't work correctly all the time. Some of the mini-games are kind of, I don't know, a bit lacking. And yet, I'm still playing it. I'm still enjoying it. Like, I think the... Because it's Chibi Robo. I think it's because <laughs> it's Chibi Robo. I think the story... Like, the writing is clearly, like, a pet project of someone at NOA because they had a lot of fun with the writing. The writing, the characters, the atmosphere, the humor, the charm. Like, it's all there. And that makes me keep playing it. So, for Chibi Robo fans, I think if you're willing to just... If you want to just dive back into that world and you don't really care about what you're doing it, you just want to, like, interact with those characters or new characters that are cut from the same cloth or just, like, you know, have that Chibi Robo experience in terms of vibe, this is, this does fit that perfectly. Like, it does feel Chibi Robo-ish in terms of story and character and everything. Gameplay, not quite as much. So, if you're not necessarily a big Chibi Robo fan, so for everyone else, uh, I mean, if you want a laid-back experience, this is this is it. It's definitely laid back. It's definitely, you know, kind of easygoing and a little grindy later on, but easygoing for sure. So, um, of course, you do have to run around your house looking like a fool, taking photos, but hopefully no one notices. Or maybe they do notice, and you can just play it off as the cool thing to do. I don't know. But uh, it's it's still a decent pickup, I'd say. Like, I, I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend this to anyone, like, right off the bat, but if you like Chibi Robo and you want to jump into that world, or if you like the demo... It's probably worth getting the full game. I mean, it's not the best game out there, not the best the eShop has to offer, but it's certainly enjoyable, and I will take any chance I have to play Cherry Robo. So, that's my very drawn out two cents on the game. I think, I, I mean, it, it wasn't the most glowing recommendation. Usually, we're pref- usually, the games we talk about, I feel like for the most part, we're actually quite positive, and it's still a little less so, but I do, I am still enjoying it. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I do find it fun. It's just, could be better. Yeah. It almost feels like yeah. they had a full-fledged Chibi Robo game in the works, and then they had to, and then something came up, and they're like, "Oh, let's cut it down. We have to get this out quickly, or something." Like maybe skip the developers are moving on to a real Chibi Robo for Wii U. I doubt it, but something like it feels like there is an element of greatness that they cast aside for whatever reason. But it's still, it's still pretty fun. It's funny. Uh, it's just a shame that Chibi Robo went from like full-fledged like adventure game to. Yep. To this random, to random demo. software demo of the camera. Yeah. But well, I should clarify: it's not all software demo of the ca- camera. The camera is it's there, but it's less than half the game. I'd argue. Well, so. camera slash mini game compilation. Yeah. yeah. But hey, it has the personality. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when I when I'm playing Chibi Robo games, I feel like at this point it's for that because there's no other Nintendo game that matches that really. But yeah. but yeah, so I mean that's what I've been playing. You sir, however. You haven't just been playing stuff, you've been competing. 
Yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. Took over. Your life. Yep. Literally, your life. A week before the tournament. I mean, I knew I was going to go to um, the regional tournament, which just happened to be in Long Beach Convention Center, like 25 minutes away from here. And um, I, I knew I was going to go. I At first, I didn't even think I was going to enter just because um, the format is double battles. And I was never too big of a fan of double battles. I always just wanted to play single battles because, I mean, that's like what... Pokemon advertises, like, I mean, the TV show is all single battles. They occasionally maybe have a double battle, but it's more like a a one-off thing that they do for the episode just right. so it, cause they have something to do. And the game themselves, like, you rarely do double battles and everything is a single battle. So I just thought it was weird that their premiere format is double battles. But it's okay. I mean, they're, they're definitely more strategic. They're definitely... They're, they go by a little faster because you could potentially, like, Kill the whole team in three turns because you could double KO both their people and right, switch yeah. and double KO. Yeah. So I mean, they're yeah for a tournament. I, don't know, I guess it makes sense. But um, oh yeah, and then I guess the week before I get to say okay, I guess I'll make a team and I'll actually try to see how far I could go. And I came up with a team and it was fun. And you did okay. Yeah, I, did, I, I mean, did okay. top half. Yeah, my my record was um five four. Um, I got a buy, so that actually hurt my score in the end. Because um, you basically had an auto win when you... Yeah. So it didn't count as a win, but it progressed you. Yeah, and um, since they were using the Swiss tournament format, which means um, you go through a set number of rounds, and based on your score, they pair you up with someone that has the exact same score. Mm-hmm. And even though I had 5-4, my 5-4 was worth significantly less than someone else who also had 5-4 that didn't get a buy. Right. And, it also, and it's also based on the people you fight and their scores. So if you beat someone that hasn't... That, I don't want any of their matches. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really going to hurt you in the end. Right, right. But, I mean, it's just, it was just great. It was different. Like, people, the Pokemon community is really friendly. Like, I mean, you're sure I ran into, like, two people that were kind of... Jerks? Oh, I mean, I don't want to say obnoxious. the guy with the jerks. Obnoxious. I mean, like, I, I told Jason, like, about this guy that I battled. Um, Every turn, he would have this, like, kind of comment. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't, he didn't sound like he was trying to be mean. He was just, like... Like, oh, aren't you impressed that I knew you were going to send out these two Pokemon? Or, like, yep, that's, a, that's exactly what I knew you were going to do. Or, oh, here's... And I did favorite. this every single turn, every single move, every Yeah, like, like every turn you just did that. And, I mean, I won that battle. And I actually made a vine out of um, that battle just because my, my Slurpuff, my candy, my cotton candy Pokemon that... He Who did, you've nicknamed Sugar Daddy, I feel, is worth mentioning. Oh, yeah. Um, he didn't really know what to do against that Pokemon or didn't really know what he did because no one uses it. So he just kind of ignored it and I powered him up and just killed his whole team in one hit with like that dude. Yeah. And I don't know, I just thought that was great. Did he, uh, did he say, that one I did not expect? (laughs) Yeah, he actually did. Really? Yeah, pretty much, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It would be so funny if he's listening to this. Hi guy, if you're listening to this. Thanks for listening. Um, sorry Jose hates you. I don't hate him. He, 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 (laughs) he was like... He just said. Like, it, he's listening. This is so he, he said it in a friendly way, so it was like, yeah, he was being a little nauseous, kind of thing. That every turn and yeah. not really doing anything about what I'm doing. I mean, if he saw everything coming, he still lost to it. Right. But um. But overall. Oh yeah, yeah. Other than that, like I mean, yeah, people are just really friendly. You have a lot of time between matches, and I don't know. I guess there's a lot of time for like small talk. So it's like, oh, where are you from? Kind of thing. Like, oh, a lot of people came from like New York or like really, where, yeah. Like, there's a closer regional to New York. I don't know why they came here. I mean, I'm sure they had other reasons to come here. I'm but... not. Actually, you're probably right. <laughs> they might just come for the sake of it. Well, 
Some of these people um, were actually doing multiple regionals, so uh, it, it makes sense. They're, like, they're doing the whole circuit. No, yeah, they're a lot, of, the, the a lot of people like are super hardcore. Like, I mean, I knew I didn't really have a chance like to actually like take it just because I mean, you're just, just going for the experience. There's right? so like, much just planning like... that goes into these teams, and I mean, since I come from a single battle point of view, like there were a lot of Pokemon that I don't know. Okay, I, I expect to see a lot of these Pokemon because I mean they're good in singles. Like in theory, like they're still good in doubles. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were there, and there actually are... I guess what does make doubles more interesting overall, I think, to watch or just to compete in, is that um, Pokemon that are normally terrible or not worth using in single battles, like, shine or do exceptionally well in double battles, because towards the end, I guess Game Freak decided to just make Pokemon specifically for double battles. So right. a lot of Pokemon, like, plus one and mine, I'm like, they're kind of useless in single, and I guess they're not that much better at doubles but i mean they, they have gimmicks yeah. that are yeah, yeah. specifically made for that and um yeah i mean i guess that was, that was like the tournament it was crazy and i definitely want to go to more yeah you actually wrote a great article on the site about it which uh yeah if you guys haven't seen it yet um go around the extra is called the road to pokemon champion and jose pretty much summed up what the event's like in a little more detail than he did just now um took some photos uh, well, I guess that's pretty much all you did. It was simple. Yeah, it's, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's what you expect for when we do event, event coverage here at, here at Real Nintendo. Uh, so yeah, go check out that extra on the site. Uh, once again, it's called the Road Pokemon Champion. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add, or are we, uh, are we I don't know, I, I guess because of that, like, I was kind of, I wasn't pokemon out, but I was like, I played too much Pokemon this week, I should probably, like, take a little break and not breed any Pokemon. How long was your break? Let's be real. Let's be honest. I went a How week. many hours was your break? Oh, well, I mean, I went a week without oh, okay. creating a new Pokemon. Like, breeding a new Pokemon, but it still traded and battled and stuff. So you didn't even stop. You couldn't even stop. Well, okay, well, the you're bo- the you're bo- like, I'm Pokemon <laughs> out. I can't breed Pokemon now, but I can still no, 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 battle no, no, that's, and no, trade. No, that's what I said. I said, I'm technically, I'm not, I wasn't Pokemon out, but I needed to take a break from it. Because breeding and so making Pokemon So a break Pokemon from a- Pokemon is just more Pokemon. Yeah, pretty much. Because I know, I, I know I'm going to keep playing it, so I have to cut the part of the game that actually takes up the most time. Normally when someone's like, I'm going to take, like if someone says, I'm going to take a break from drinking, I've been partying too much, I'm only going to drink vodka now, instead <laughs> of the whole rainbow of hard liquors. Like, it doesn't work like that. I'm done with drugs for a while, except cocaine, I'm still going to snort that, but I'm well, done I mean, with it. Well, I mean, I went from playing it for like, I know, I know. three, four hours a day to, like, half an hour. Cause, well, cause, that, that's, cause, that's good. Because breeding like does take that long yeah. sometimes. So, yeah, and sometimes it's really quick. I'm not making that joke. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, I see what you did there, or what you were. Uh, doing well, I was gonna do. So I, I guess on that on your Pokemon addiction note, I think we're pretty much done for this episode, right? Um, you have an addiction. So uh, that that does it for episode 62. Thanks as always for listening. Um, if you want to tweet your words of encouragement and support or stage an intervention against Jose and his Pokemon addiction, you can do so by tweeting him at Wero. That's W E I R O underscore O. Or you can send me things that have nothing to do with Pokemon addiction because I don't have one. To I swear I don't have a problem. Fun to at JSR seven. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just said. Oh, I learned last week or yeah, last week that um, in the three years that I guess I played my Diamond version, I was a like, I thought I had played it a lot, and I'm like, oh, wow, like, 480 hours. That, 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 that's a good amount of time. That's over multiple years. Yeah, that's like, clear. It's over multiple yeah, years. Yeah, so that was, like, from the time it came uh-huh. out to, like, second year of college. Right. And then, um... And that's, that's I, Diamond. 
Yeah, that's three that, years. That's my three years version. of gameplay, four to eight hours. Okay. And then I looked at my um, <laughs> X. I'm like, oh, I wonder how many hours I have now. Like, whoa, 550. I think I'm like, oh, on. but you don't have an addiction. Okay. And the, that's and, 500. And, and, I got the, and I got the game a month, like exactly a month after it came out. Okay, so, so you've had the game for two and a half months. And you've had 550 hours versus three years at 480. And you claim you don't have addiction. an addiction. Once again, <laughs> dear listeners, please... Tweet your words of encouragement, support, and or, um, uh, what's the, intervention to Jose's Twitter, or him up <laughs> on Meverse, where he's also where, oh, that's W-E-I-R underscore O again. Uh, I, once again, do not have an addiction, but you're welcome to tweet me, like <laughs> I said, or you can, uh, Meverse friend follow, uh, I'm Jason R on there. Be sure to actually follow, or, yeah, follow Ram, at Ram Nintendo on Twitter, as we will be posting... As we always do, upcome, you know, our latest extras, latest episodes, and you definitely don't want to miss our next episode on February 9th, as we'll have a full breakdown and full analysis of whatever crazy things Nintendo announces at its uh, investor meeting this coming week. So, yep. you know, who knows? Maybe Nintendo's going to pull a Dreamcast. I hope not, but we'll talk about it. So, yeah, yeah tune into that episode. Another way to make sure you don't miss it, just subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much does it. So we will see you in two weeks on February 9th. Yeah.